Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of uh, former Bellator fighters, Liz Carmouche, getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week, it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who, of course, uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ. One Patricky Pitbull is, uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check them out. If you're at home, check them out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life. On this Monday, August 30th, 2021. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the program. Welcome to a brand new episode. This is live, baby. Live and in living color. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the MMA Hour. I've been doing this kind of show for a long time. First time I ever did a show like this, a live show like this, was 2009, June of 2009. You know the whole history. I'm not going through it all right now. The reason I bring that up is I don't think, and I am getting older and I am forgetting things, I don't think I have ever done a show quite like this before. And what I mean by that is usually on the weekends, I'm at a big event, right? That's been the case for the majority of the past uh, 10 or so years. And usually those events are happening on a Saturday night, and usually I'll take the first flight home. Usually it's at 6 a.m. or so, and I'll get home, you know, late morning, early afternoon, and then prepare for the show on Monday. So usually there's that one day in between. This show is different. This show is very different. Why? Because as you may know, last night and for the past four or five days, I was in Cleveland, Ohio, the 216. And I was a part of the Showtime broadcast for the Jake Paul Tyron Woodley fight. And that happened last night. And so I went to bed at around 3.30 a.m., woke up at 4.45, went to the airport. Thank God everything was on time. Landed here in New York at around 9.45, got my stuff, drove to the studio, and now here I am. 
12 hours removed from one of the most memorable, one of the greatest, one of the most exciting nights of my career, of my life, dare I say, doing this. And I'll always go out and do these things. And hopefully there's more of those things. And that's great. And that's exciting. But then I come back home because this feels like home. This feels like my house. This feels like, okay, this is my furniture. These are my friends, my family members. This feels like home. And so I don't know how this is going to go because I feel like my head is still in the clouds. I feel like my head is spinning. And I feel like yesterday was a dream. I have all this adrenaline, all this momentum, all this stuff inside of me. And uh, I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to wing it. I am on such a high right now after last night's experience that I just wanted to talk about it and not just talk about the fights themselves, but talk about what it meant to me. And so that's where I want to start. And of course, we got great guests coming up, Mike Perry, Teddy Atlas, uh, Jeremy Piven, Ari Gold of Entourage fame. I mean, who pulls that? Vitor Belfort, uh, Patty Pimblett. And I'll get to all of that and I'll set them all up in a second. But you know, over the last few days, there's a part of me that's like, man, Ariel, you're so annoying. You're so annoying. You keep talking about how great this is, how excited you are, how thankful you are, how grateful you are posting things and, and, and all that. And, you know, for the most part, again, this is the classic, you know, 99% of the comments and stuff, interaction, engagement is positive. You get a few negative um, and you focus on the negative. That's human nature. It's stupid, but that's just the way we are or I am. And I see, you know, some people saying, oh, this is not about you. You're making this about yourself. This is not about you. Guess what? It is about me. Because when it's on my platform, my social media, my show, my Twitter, my Instagram, it's allowed to be about me. And you know what? On this Monday, I'm going to puff my chest out just a little bit. Because when you are told time and again that you're done, that you're finished, that it's over, that you'll never work again, that bullets are being put in your head, when you have nights like last night, I'm going to puff my chest out a little bit. I'm going to spike the football just a little bit because I'm freaking proud of everything that we accomplished over the last few days. My small part in all of that, that was a literal dream come true. Young boy, watching boxing, watching fights, dreaming of what it would be like being in those moments, how I would act, what I would do, dreaming for years, never got that opportunity. And over time, coming to terms with the fact that I would never get that opportunity for various reasons and being okay with it because I had other opportunities, other great moments, other great experiences. But man, I always wanted that one. I always wanted ringside, cage side. I always wanted in the ring, sweaty, uh, chaos, back to you, setting things up with passion, with heart. And I always felt like I could do it. I always believed that I could do it. And dare I say, I believed that I could do it better than others. But I didn't get the opportunity. You know the stories, you know the reasons, we don't have to get into all that crap now. And you start to wonder if you'll ever get that opportunity. And then you start to question yourself. Maybe you can't do it. Maybe you're just, you know, the backstage guy or the podcast guy or the Zoom guy. 
if you know what the last year and a half was like for me, and then you consider what yesterday was like for me, my first fight back since March of 2020. Again, yes, this is about me. Of course, this is my life. It's always about the fighters on this show, but can I have a moment for a second? I said that line from Drake at the beginning of the show about Tyron Woodley. Someone told me I fell off or I needed that. I was talking about myself as well. And I think the OGs knew that. The people who have been by my side, who have had my back. You know who you are. And so yesterday was extremely, 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 extremely special for me, meaningful for me, impactful for me. If I never do that again, and that was just a one-off. If I never do that again, I can die a happy man. Thank you, Showtime. Thank you to everyone involved. Thank you to the people who went to bat for me, and you know who you are, who said they wanted me to be a part of this broadcast to represent the MMA community, to get a shot, because it's a, it's a different kind of audience. It's a potential younger, I don't know. Getting to do that show with Mauro Ronaldo, who has meant the world to me, who is a friend, who is a mentor, who is a confidant, who was the first person to ever put me on his podcast back in 2007. Shout out to John Pollock, who's the one who reached out to me. Thanksgiving 2007, I was on Fight Network Radio a month and a half after I launched my own website, Jerry Park, and I thought, this is it. Like, this is the mountaintop. I thought that was it. That's how much more Ronaldo means to me. The greatest combat sports announcer in the history of the TV business. The only man who can do pro wrestling, kickboxing, boxing, MMA in his sleep. To sit alongside him ringside for an event like that, in an arena like that, in front of a crowd like that, next to Al Bernstein... And then to work with guys like Brian Custer and Phoenix and everyone behind the scenes, the Barstool guys were great. I mean, the whole thing was just an absolute dream come true. And, and so, yeah, I was emotional and I hope that I represented the MMA community and I hope that I represented everyone who had my back and I hope that the people who had my back and pushed for me to be involved, I hope that they felt like I proved them right. And it really meant a lot to me to be a part of the Showtime team. And I've heard time and again, I've never worked for Showtime before. I've heard time and again about how that's a family. That's a family. And people throw that word around, right? It's a family. It's a family. There's no backstabbing. Everyone's supporting. And I've worked at a lot of places. And I'm not trying to cast any type of negative light on anywhere else. I've been a part of other families. This is a family. That is a real special team that they have there. And everyone was just so nice and welcoming. It was, uh, it was really cool to be the new guy and everyone's treating you like you've been there for 10, 15 years. And why it meant so much to me that I got to do that for the first time. I never did a weigh-in before. I don't even know if they knew that. And I'd like to think that I, I represented. I never did the fight night stuff. You all know that. And why it meant so much to me that it was with Showtime was, as you know, back in 2017, Mayweather McGregor, I'm wearing my suit. I take a red eye after this show to go to Staples, California, 
for the first leg of the uh, media tour, the world tour, LA. I'm standing outside Staples Center. I get a call from Steven Espinoza who tells me he needs to meet with me before we're about to go in the arena. I'm suited up. It's literally an hour away. And he tells me, we can't have you. Politics, fits were thrown. I am sorry, I tried, but we can't have you. But I'm still going to pay you and I'm meeting you face-to-face to let you know that I'm not happy about this, but... We got your back. And so for four years later, that it would be with that network and with that president, this kind of fight, it just, uh, it felt like full circle. It was really, really special. Um, And the last few weeks have been special with everything just happening at the same time with the return of this show and all the other stuff and this opportunity. Like, I feel like, it's, uh, it's just been an insane time and I don't want to wake up and I'm so thankful and grateful. And that's why I feel like I just need to keep talking about it because you don't understand what it is like, or maybe you do. And you know what? I'm sure most of you do. People think that it's like all silver spoon stuff. It's not. When, when you have dreams and you know that there is only one life and someone is telling you, no, you're, they're not telling you we're going to ruin your career. They're telling you we're, we're going to ruin your life huge difference. And to come out on the other end with the support of so many, I'm just very, very grateful and thankful. And I'm just so happy that I could come here and share this with you. I have dreamed of that. Like being, I'm standing there and there's Tyron and there's Jake, sweaty. And all you people who made fun of me for never leaving my house, what do you have to say about me now? And I'm looking in their eyes in this great moment and I'm like, I can't believe I'm actually here. Of course, I'm locked in and there's Logan Paul and there's this and we're talking about tattoos and all this stuff. It was crazy. It was wild, man. So what a night. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And, uh, and, and it, was just, it was just something I will never forget. In the end, as you know, Jake Paul beat Tyron Woodley. He won via split decision. I scored the fight for Jake Paul, just being honest. I thought Tyron won the fourth round. I thought, I thought he had the most significant blow of the fight, clearly. If that sequence is happening in the middle of the ring, Jake is falling to the ground. That was a knockdown, but he got saved by the ropes. Them's the breaks. Could have even been a knockdown anyway because you, you, you saw he was holding on to the ropes. I thought Tyron represented himself very well. You know, the big question going into this fight was, would this ruin his legacy? His legacy was on the line. I believe everything that I said before that fight, all the pressure was on Tyron. If Jake would have lost, he would have said, you know, I just went up. I fought the former UFC champion, et cetera, et cetera. He had the built-in excuse. He was moving up. He was biting off more than he could chew. And so I felt Tyron can't lose. He can't get knocked out by the YouTube kid. And I'll address that in a second as well. But in the end, he went the distance. He's never fought in a boxing match before. It's a different skill set. It's a different sport. It's not MMA. He had his moments. Do I wish he was you know, more active on his behalf? Absolutely. But he actually did, in some respects, better than I thought. He got the big punch. There were some rounds where he was active. 
you know, you, 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 you were afraid, or at least I was on his behalf, that it would be the Kamar Usman Tyron Woodley, who's not throwing anything. And there were some moments, but I thought after he got a little comfortable, second, third, fourth round, best round, you know, he started to show some signs. I wouldn't hate it if Tyron, you know, kept at this boxing journey. But how could you possibly say with a straight face now that Jake Paul isn't a fighter? In my opinion, he was a fighter before Sunday night. Anyone who steps through the ropes, I don't care who you're fighting. I don't care what the rounds are. I don't care what the stakes are. I don't care where the platform is. I don't care where the arena. You step through those ropes, you're a fighter, amateur or pro. I have all the respect in the world for anyone who goes through the process, cutting weight, weighing in, rehydrating, fighting in front of people, getting punched in the face, punched in the body. You are a fighter. At this juncture, going into this fight, he had four fights under his belt. One amateur, three professional. Forget about the opponents. You could debate those all day long, but he steps through the ropes. And he's doing it backwards, by the way. Most guys get into fighting to get rich. This guy's rich already. And so that Marvin Hagler line that I always talk about, you know, uh, the satin sheets and all that stuff, you wonder how, you know, it eventually will affect him. Because you even hear a little bit last night in the post-fight interview, like, oh, man, I need a break, this and that. Like, this guy doesn't have to do any of this. He doesn't have to get punched in the face. He doesn't have to spar. He doesn't have to go through a training camp. He doesn't have to cut weight. Most guys do all that and, 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 and stomach all that because... They want to get rich. They want to get famous. They want to get paid. He has all of that already. That's what makes this so crazy and so unique. Never really see this before. That's what is special about this. So while everyone is focusing on the, the YouTube, the YouTube, the YouTube, the Disney, enough of that. This guy is a fighter. He just went eight rounds with a former UFC champion. I don't care if it was in kickboxing. I don't care if it was in water polo. I don't care if it was in MMA, in boxing. I don't care what it was. It just so happens to have been boxing. The guy went eight rounds with a UFC legend, a future Hall of Famer, one of the top four best welterweight champions of all time behind George St. Pierre, Matt Hughes, Kamar Usman, whose last four fights were against the top four in the welterweight division, Kamar Usman, Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns, Vicente Luque, all guys who are on fire right now. And he went out there and, and, and he represented. And he took a big punch and he came back and he got tired and he weathered the storm. How can you say this man is not a fighter? And, and, and I'm so happy it didn't end in a knockout and I'm so happy it didn't end early because now we don't have to hear about the rig nonsense. Every It's rigged, it's rigged. I'm convinced that the people who say that are just being paid to say that at this point because it's so ludicrous. What about that was rigged? What about any of this is rigged? Stop being so cynical. None of this was rigged. These two guys have too much self-respect to do that sort of thing. Punches hurt. They can land. You can fall. I have a ton of respect for what Jake Paul has done, what he has accomplished. I have a ton of respect for what Tyron Woodley did last night. His legacy is still intact. It is not ruined. Had he lost in the first round, different story, but he went the distance at 39 in a new sport against a guy who's 15 years younger than him, who's been doing boxing longer than he has for the last three years, focused solely on boxing. But if you can't look at that situation and say, this was good for boxing, this was a good night for boxing, 
again, as I've said before, and it's the same thing that I said about CM Punk. And isn't it funny? People roll their eyes like, let's not pretend that the UFC is, is, is above this sort of thing or anyone in combat sports is above this sort of thing. This sort of thing, circus, freak show, whatever you want to say, special attraction has been around for decades in all forms of combat sports. But again, this isn't the NBA, this isn't the NFL, this isn't the NHL, Major League Baseball, where there's a cap on the amount of people who can participate. This is the Wild West. And so last night, an event was created because of Jake Paul and his fight with Tyron Woodley. But as a result of that event that was created, because there wasn't an event that was happening regardless on a Sunday night in Cleveland on August 29th, 2021. But because of that, a lot more people know who Amanda Serrano is, who's a legit fighter, who's doing great things not only in boxing, but in MMA, who just won in an MMA fight via submission, who's won 27 fights in a row, who hasn't lost since 2012, who's top three pound for pound, and who may eventually become number one pound for pound. Who knows? I can assure you a lot more people know who Montana Love is. What a scene that was. What a fight that was against Ivan Branchik. Cleveland's own. What a pop he got. I know a lot more people know who Daniel Dubois is, who knocked out Giuseppe Cusimano in the first round with those three knockdowns. Came over from England for the first time in America, following in the footsteps of Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, who fought on Showtime for their first fights in America. Tommy TNT Fury. Had a big opportunity. In fact, one could say that he was maybe the biggest loser of the night, if only because how do you not at least knock down Anthony Pretty Boy Taylor, a guy who's fought in MMA at 135, at 145, at 155. I thought he needed, he didn't need a, a, a finish per se. It was only four rounds, but a knockdown, I think, would have really put him in pole position to get the Jake Paul fight. And of course, afterwards, the BT Sport cameras filmed this whole, you know, brouhaha, and that might still be the fight. Remains to be seen. We don't know what's going to happen next. But isn't it amazing? And boxing is so great. I freaking love it. You got Frank Warren there. You got the British Commission calling up Anthony Taylor. Well, they didn't really call him. They, they told someone to tell him that on the night before the weigh-ins, they are changing the rounds of his fight, of the Tommy Fury-Anthony Taylor fight, from six to four because they say Tommy Fury, who off the top of my head, 10 amateur fights going into this was 6-0, and doesn't have enough experience to go six rounds, six three-minute rounds, 18 minutes total, so we're moving it to four. What the heck? First of all, why does the British Commission have any kind of say over any of this? The fight was happening in Ohio. How does the Ohio Commission accept this? And let's not get started on the whole drug testing thing. But again, we see this with these commissions that don't hold a lot of events. And then they change it. Meanwhile, in the main event, you have Jake Paul, who's 3-0, going up against a guy who's 0-0. And that's an eight-round fight. How bizarre is all of that? But it's just like the crazy boxing world. These things happen in boxing, right? That was so weird because the, the, the promoter was like, oh, no, first... Uh, it's because Anthony Taylor is 0-1 as a boxer, so we can't go past four. But Tyron Woodley's, oh, no. But then they're like, oh, no, but he has 27 MMA fights. Well, Taylor has 12 MMA fights. Like, this is, this is crazy what is going on here. 
Anyway, I thought he had a big opportunity to do something. He didn't do what he needed to do. Um, but hey, that moment afterwards got him uh, in, in, in Jake's face, and, and maybe that was enough. Who knows? Um, but overall, it was just so great. The card, the week, the press events, everything was constructed like an MMA card. Usually, it's one big fight, maybe a second, and that's it. Those five fights had something for everyone. Actual, legit boxers, for everyone who's worried about the sanctity of boxing, concerned about all of that. No, you had actual, legit boxers underneath Jake Paul and, and Tyron Woodley. There were no shenanigans. There were finishes. There were fun fights. Um, and that's the way boxing should be, in my opinion. And make no mistake about it, Jake Paul's not saving boxing. Boxing's doing just fine without Jake Paul. There's a ton of great uh, fighters right now. The heavyweight division is on fire. We got, you know, Fury and Wilder coming up and uh, you got Usyk and 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 uh, Anthony Joshua and all of these great names and, and, and up-and-comers like um, Daniel Dubois and, and whatnot and uh, obviously Canelo and, 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 and Crawford and hopefully Spence comes back and women's boxing is doing great with Clarissa Shields and Katie Taylor's fighting this weekend. I mean, there's just a ton going on in the world of boxing. Boxing is doing just fine. No one needs to say boxing. It's all ludicrous when people say that. But hey, a little sprinkling of some uh, some special attractions here and there. Never hurt anyone. And so now the big question is, what happens next with with Jake and Tyron? Afterwards, in that moment in the in the ring, it was uh, it was a, a crazy scene. Logan Paul is there. I'm like, what the heck? How did I get here? This is amazing. I've dreamed of this. Tyron says he thought he won the fight. I thought he represented, but if I'm being honest, I don't think he won the fight. That's no knock. It's just someone. There has to be a winner. There has to be a loser. I was surprised it was a split decision. But he says, hey, I'm going to get that tattoo if you give me a rematch. Now, if, if we're being honest, like the, the deal was different, right? The deal was different. The original deal was the loser gets a tattoo. But hey, shoot your shot. And Jake accepted it, right? But now it seems like there's some discrepancy as to you know what the deal is and what the deal should be. No one got a tattoo for the record. Um so that's still up in the air. I don't know if they go in that direction ultimately. Um, I'm curious to see if Jake fights again this year. I think the plan was one more fight and maybe against a Tommy Fury, but let's be honest, he has the pick of the litter. What I would like to see next is, all right, I think we've, the MMA thing is working. Let's be real. Like there was more MMA media there at that event than boxing media. So MMA media is covering it. They're taking it seriously. Uh, the whole sport of MMA is paying attention to it. The fans are paying attention to it. So the MMA versus Jake Paul storyline gimmick is actually working. Um, it is paying dividends. Uh, I think getting on Showtime was better than being on Triller, if only because it made it feel a little more legitimate. And that's not me knocking Triller. They're just new. Their format is different. The music, all that stuff. So this felt like, okay, you're kind of taking that step up to the home of boxing right now because you know there's no hbo anymore um so the question is does he does he go to another mma fighter who can that person be i know he's talked about nate nathan still under contract with the ufc masvidal still under contract of course connor said like the ufc isn't loaning anyone out there trust me they are not doing that and so who's out there that can sell this i think the ship has sailed unfortunately for Dylan Dennis, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't fought in so long. He's not a striker. I don't know if that's appealing. I'd be happy for him if he got it. I'm not trying to knock him. I just don't know if there's any momentum for that fight right now. 
There's probably a little more momentum for Tommy Fury. Is there another guy out there? I'd like to see them not go in the direction of, you know, a YouTuber or a, a hockey player. Basketball. Like, it, it, every fight has felt bigger, and uh, he wins, and, and the train rolls along. And so it's just a fascinating time in the world of uh, of combat, of boxing, of MMA. And there's MMA versus boxing. You got Vitor Belfort and Oscar De La Hoya fighting not this weekend, next. And Anderson Silva doing his thing. I mean, wow, what a time to be covering this crazy world of combat sports. I'm just very thankful to still be here and to still be doing it and to have a platform um, where I can talk about it freely with all of you. And I'm just so excited. And oh, by the way, on top of all of that, there was a UFC event this past uh, weekend. Uh, shout out to Giga Chikadze. Uh, I'd love to have him on the show. If you know what I'm saying. Um, but alas, I digress. A uh, couple of tough winners. Tough loss for Kevin Lee. Uh, PFL had their event as well. Brandon Lochnane lost a tough one. Um, in the main event, but uh, there's just there's just a lot. And then, of course, this weekend, we've got the Darren Till fight, the the, the UK card um, that's happening in Vegas, the debut of one Patty Pimblett. There's just so much going on. And I'm just so happy to be here. Shout out to Chris Cyborg. Chris Cyborg in our chat, by the way. Like, how cool is that? That is just amazing. On the YouTube. Hey, YouTube. Lighten up, all right? YouTube chat. Lighten up. Who are these people who write all this craziness? All right. Let's get to uh let's get to our guests. Later in the program we're going to be joined uh by Vitor Belfort, the aforementioned Vitor Belfort who is going up against one Oscar De La Hoya, that Triller event, 195 pounds boxing. Um, that will be nuts. And we'll also be joined by Jeremy Piven, a.k.a. Ari Gold of Entourage fame, big fight fan, had Tyron Woodley on his show uh, not that long ago. He's got a new podcast, so I'm really excited about that. Big name. Patty Pimblett, the aforementioned Patty Pimblett, who's making his UFC debut this weekend. Finally, after all these years, the former Cage Warriors champion. Teddy Atlas, one of the smartest minds in the world of combat, will break down the uh, the event last night for us. But first, without further ado, let us go to the Zoom machine and say hello to the one and only, the inimitable, the incomparable Platinum Mike Perry, great to have him back on the show. There he is, Mike Perry in the house. Mike, how are you? What's up, brother? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Where are you right? Where are you right now? Are you in your? Is that a shower behind you? What is going on? That is. Uh, this is my bathroom. Yes. <laughs> Why are you in the bathroom? Because this is like the best room in the house for. I don't know this little setup. I have like a light mirror right here and. Uh, I can shut the door and like, you know, the the noise of the house won't bother our interview. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you going to those lengths for Sorry, us. It's, great it's not the greatest to... backdrop. No, no, it's it's great. Listen, I'll take you anywhere, Mike. We've done it in the car before. We've done it all over the place, side of the road. Um, okay. I have a lot to talk to you about, Mike, but I know you were watching last night. Could you give us uh, off the bat your thoughts on the main event? Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley. What, what do you think? 
Well, first, I want to say that you were so great, and I was happy for how excited you were to be there in the limelight. I just want to say, Thanks. man, it was really cool, and I thought you did a phenomenal job. But, Thanks, um, my man. You're welcome. So, yeah, um, the main event, you know, I kind of expected. I feel like I gave a breakdown of that at their first face-off when they faced off in Miami at the gym, Fifth Street Boxing Gym. And uh, I said, you know, I can see Jake taking a decision. Um, he's got a good team behind him. He uses his feet well. He moved around. Um, I said last night, you know, he just had to really walk around. A lot of people think that, or what I see online, people are saying that T. Woodley chose not to win. I don't think that's what? the case. Um, so That's an insane thing to say. Yeah, Uh you know, so, but the difference between boxing and MMA, I mean, they don't get a win bonus. They probably just got paid what they got paid and then go out there and fight. But I thought Woodley um, did a really good job defensively. And, you know, there came moments in the fight when he should have, and he did, he did try to press a little more but then he was pressing in like an MMA way where his head was up in the air and Jake was able to land a couple counter shots on his way in. And uh, Jake keeps his distance really well. Um, he runs really well. I know he's got strong legs. He runs a lot of miles and in his training camp. And, um, you know, it shows in the fight. But I feel like, I don't know, there was, there was more that could be done and – I said last night on my Instagram that I feel like, you know, with an opportunity or whatever, I would press forward and, you know, it's fight to knock you out or get knocked out. And, you know, I would take the shots if I had to, you know, we, T Woodley and me are similar and like, you know, I don't have the credentials he has. He's a great champion. He's very strong and athletic and, you could see that he wanted to clinch and he wanted to do some head pressure and do some grappling stuff. And um, I feel like, you know, punching from the outside is something I have, I have been focusing on a lot now with my boxing, my head movement, my footwork, and, and angling my shots from the outside with the straight jabs or the straight rights into a big uppercut or a hook. And uh, didn't really get – didn't see T. Woodley kind of do that. And, and I also didn't see him put him on the ropes and try to keep him there and really work inside. Um, that's something that I might have tried to do. But, you know, so like just Jake walking around at his distance with his length and just maybe pushing a, pushing a T. Woodley away, that's get, that gets him to win the whole time. Now, Mike, and, and that's that's a great assessment there. Um, a lot of people might not know this. You actually sparred Jake Paul in the past. How many times did you spar him? We sparred one time for six rounds. We did six rounds. He was smooth in the first couple, first three rounds. And then I, I started, um, you know, my pressure started adding up because that's the difference between me and T. Wood was that – you know, T. Woodley started off really defensive and there wasn't a lot of action going on. And me, I just went straight for it. And he hit me a couple times, clean shots, but there was no, no follow-up. I, I said uh, on an interview that he didn't have that 
finishing killer instinct. Once he hits you with a good shot, that's about it. And then he's back on his bike. And, um, you know, I just, I let him kind of hit me with his best shots. It's like I kind of wanted to feel it. And then that does something to a man when he hits you as hard as he can and you just keep coming at him. And I was trying to put him on the ropes and and it started working. My pressure added up. And, um, you know, I started landing some hooks, started making him drop into some uppercuts because that's another thing boxers do too that MMA guys don't. When they when they bob and weave, when you throw a shot, they duck really low. They duck all the way down to like kicking range. You know, that's why MMA guys don't duck like that because knees and kicks and Muay Thai is more like upright. But I started, uh, you know, I just knew that I was going to be able to take his shots. And, and I was trying to be a good sparring partner too. I was trying to be a good training partner. I, I know he has a good team and good people around him. I was kind of trying to be a part of it and, like, see if I can come back around. But then he tried to make a fool out of me when Dustin Poirier said he wanted to see him fight me. And, um, you know. how do you, Wait, how did he try to make a fool out of you? And, by the way, just for context, when was this? When was uh, the sparring this was, session? Um, this was, like, a week or two before I fought Daniel Rodriguez. So that was in April. So that was so it was probably like so. This is this before the Askren fight? Yeah, it was a couple of weeks before the Askren fight. Okay, okay, sorry. Okay, so and what happened with Poirier? So Poirier said something about on Twitter, like, "Oh, I want to see you fight Mike Perry." So then Jake posted this video, and I knew the camera was there. They're obviously always rolling on footage in when you when they're in the gym, and. I saw the camera there, and um, I feel like I kind of set him up. Deep down, I knew that this was going to come out. And I walked over to him, and I said, hey, man, you kicked my ass. He did. He did a good job at keeping his distance, and I'm a fan of boxing. I understand the keeping the range and the distance. It's like a pretty style, and he fights He fights that way because he's – you know, he's got a lot of money behind him, and he has to fight a very protective way, no, not a real gritty way. And he posted the video of me saying, and, oh, you kicked my ass, Jake. And, um, and then he said, you know, in his words, I already kicked his ass. Like, like he didn't want to have the fight with me. But he knows what was happening in the, in the third, fourth, fifth and sixth rounds of our sparring match and um you know i never slowed down i just always put on pressure and when i sparred him i was 180 and he was like 195 so you know if if we were going to prepare for something it's a totally different thing i have been preparing for southpaw daniel rodriguez and I had been doing a lot of grappling. I grappled that morning that before I sparred Jake that night. And um, I just feel like pre- preparation would be totally different. And, you know, I would, I, like I said, I would just go forward to knock you out or get knocked out in the process. And I don't see myself getting knocked out, uh, especially with the ability to focus on boxing and, and, and work that consistently day in and day out 
Um, uh, so very, very interesting stuff. I, um, I'm wondering how you ended up there. Like who set that up? Um, I was at, I was at FRM studios, the, uh, management mm -hmm. office in Miami. Yes. And, uh, Abe said something about, you want to spar Jake Paul? I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then they called up the man or they called up his people and they were like, you know, Mike's talked some shit. And Abe was like, we all talk shit, you know. And, and that's what fighting is about. You know, you talk shit. But, like, and I told Jake, yo, I respect it, bro. Real talk. I showed up with my girl and my baby. And he had, a, you know, 30 people there, his team. And um, he was cool. I went over to him. I was like, hey, man, I respect what you're doing you know, pretty much like you the Disney kid, but you really out here doing your thing, trying to box. And and he's gradually going up in competition. I mean, T. Woodley was real competition. So, um, you know, I was like, I respect it. But then, then when he posted that video and I got real mad at him, you know, I, I feel like I honestly didn't, didn't handle it right. Like when Jake posted a video of me saying that we had worked together, even if he was talking trash or having me talk trash on myself, he was he was putting me out there on a platform that I I didn't have necessarily. And I had saw Jake and his boy Jay Leon Love in the club later that week. We were at Live and um I walked by and somebody grabbed me and it was them. And I was talking to them for a second and me and Jay Leon started poking each other in the nose. And then all these people came over and was like, no, no, like separating us. And I was like, it's all good. Like, we're cool. And Jay Leon tweeted about it and said, oh, it was like a good conversation, but he beat my ass. Well, I mean, let's run it, bro. Okay, so I saw on Twitter yesterday... Uh, you talked about Jake. You, you also talked about Tommy Fury. You talked about Jay Leon Love, who's a part of the Jake Paul team um, and was kind of somewhat part of the impetus of the, the Woodley fight happening because he was in the, the locker room when Woodley was in there for, for Asker and all that stuff. What do you want next? Because there's a lot of different directions here. What, what, what does If someone came up to you right now, your, your manager, Abe, says, hey, Mike, what are we doing? What's the direction? What do you want? Well, I just want to know what we're doing. Does, you know, being that I I possibly do still have the fight on my UFC contract. Um, How many fights left there? Well, I was talking with management yesterday, and he was like, uh, we were trying to figure out if it was a four fight since I fought Luke and then I signed a four fight or a five fight. And I was like, I thought I signed a five fight. And that's why I was so confident to say I have one fight left on my contract. And he didn't get back to me. And so it's like up in the air. And he was – so right now it's like this MMA versus boxing thing, this spectacle is happening. And they're getting their guys' boxing matches. I just want to know what I'm going to do. Is And, and here's the, another thing that I thought about. If it is a UFC fight, what are you going to see me do? I'm going to go in there and I'm going to try to box the guy anyways. So I'm focusing more on boxing. Even though my grappling has gone up, I'm, I'm such a good grappler. But now I'm trying to get that back 
to the boxing, to the head movement. I've noticed so many bad, bad habits in myself that kind of MMA has kind of created it and I've let happen. So I'm, I'm going back to boxing fundamentals, really moving my head, really uh, sticking with the jab and like, you know, it's really a lot of head movement and footwork. And so I'm down to fight. I just want to fight my management, whatever they want me to do. Just give me a heads up. Let me know so that, you know, when I'm going in the gym, I can put on, if I'm boxing, I put on boxing shoes and a cup and a headgear and like I can train like a boxer. Otherwise, I'm in the gym. I just came from training and we were doing lot of jujitsu and I chose to go ahead and do the jujitsu just because I need the work and um but I'm down to fight anybody man anytime I know that Kevin Lee had just called me out but uh, see I was trying to give uh my team that control I know my boy Julian Williams my coach Julian Williams with Fusion XL he he really wanted me to put a lot of time in with the training and that he deserves a UFC fight in the octagon with me in the corner. And like, he deserves to his time to really mold me and teach me after all these years we've had together. And it's come down to what the last one on contract, but my manager was talking like they would, it would be no big deal for them to get me, because it, it would be a big fight, they would do the MMA boxing match or whatever. And But I don't know what's going to happen. He's talking like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to get you this matchup right now. And then UFC might be saying, I might be waiting around until January. So I really don't know, man. It's really up in the air for me. All I know is I'm training hard. I'm working hard. And I'm the way that I see it is like the way that life happens, um, there's opportunities and you have to be prepared for whatever opportunity it is. So that's my goal. I'm training twice a day tonight. I'm going to go do my boxing workouts. And, and um, I had just came from MMA and I just, I mean, it's, I want to fight, bro. I really, I'm in so, great shape. I know, like I said, I said no to the Kevin Lee mm-hmm. thing, but that was, it was like my team didn't want that. They wanted more time. They didn't want to jump into that fight. And that was, I chose to not let that be my decision. I could have said yes after I watched the fight. I mean, I was just like, no? what's that? Do you regret saying no? Okay, so let me just take a quick step back here because for those that don't know, uh, Kevin Lee was supposed to fight Sean Brady. That fight fell off once, and then Brady had to withdraw, and then Kevin Lee was calling a bunch of people out saying, hey, fight me on short notice. Uh, you were one of those people, as you just said, you declined, totally fair. Your team wanted more time, and he came out and said you know, he lost respect for you and all this stuff. Um, and now you're saying you watched the fight. He fought Daniel Rodriguez, who you fought back in April. He lost on, um, on Saturday night, and, and now you're saying – you you watched it and what did you regret saying no? Well, did you no, feel like no. you should have said yes? But he just came off of eighteen months. Right. He was talking trash about me not fighting, but he just came off of eighteen months because he was obviously working on himself. And I don't regret saying no because I trust my team and I have faith in my coach Julian. He's really great. 
So, and it's just like, it was a little scary because I was like, dang, maybe I missed out on an opportunity and it sounds like I might not be getting another opportunity right now. Why not though? I don't understand. I I wasn't understanding it either. Um, they you were saying you'd be punished. I don't. I maybe and like if I would have said yes on Twitter, would they have called and offered the fight right. to Abe anyway? You know yeah, what I mean. So I just I'm just trying to keep faith. I'm trying to stay focused and 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 I'm doing my training and I'm I'm leveling up every day. I'm I'm getting better and I'm preparing myself for. For all types, it would be nice to get specific and and really focus on whoever I'm going to be up against. Um, I'm just, you know, so I was just trying to call people out. I mean, the the well, can I make can I make a, can I make a, an observation, Mike? Can I make an observation? You tell me if I'm wrong here. Reading the tweets, even you right now, and again, tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like I'm talking to a different Mike Perry right now. Um, and I'd love for you to tell me if I'm right or wrong. And if I'm right, explain why. You, you The tweets even, the tone of the tweets, uh, you're not angry, you're, you're jovial. I don't know if it's fatherhood that has changed you or your personal life is in a good place, but you, you, you are coming across to me as uh, maybe a bit of a grown-up Mike Perry, uh, a more... Mature Mike Perry, like I said, a happier Mike Perry, despite all this other stuff that we're talking about. Have you changed? Do you feel different? Because I feel like you've, it's the first time in a while that I've talked to you. And when I was reading your tweets last night, I was like, this is a different Mike. Like, it's not all over the place. It's not angry. That was a big thing. Have you changed? Am I right by saying that? Is that, is that, is that on point? Yeah, I, I, I like to think I have changed. But as soon as I do that, you know, the anger is still there. It's still there. It depends on the situation. I feel more like experienced in all types of situations. I've been through so many ups and downs, lefts and rights. And, and you know, I mean, I'm going to get a little philosophical, I guess, here. But please, please, as as uh, as my bank account gets smaller, I okay. find myself having more faith in God and just you know, being grateful for everything that I do have. And, um, you know, just, it, it just seems more to me like the, the more I try, the more I need to just let go and relax and allow things to happen and, um, just be grateful and thank God for everything I got. And I mean, it is what it is. I'm I'm blessed in so many ways. I can take a hell of a punch. I can return a hell of a punch. Uh, and I just want to be better every day. It's it's nice to go into the gym, and you know it's weird because we fight each other, so we're being mean to each other. But at the same time, we're like, oh, I love you, brother. Like, thank you so much for punching me in the face today, man. Thank you so much. You know, and life is just when you get out of training, all your problems just feel much lighter. Mm. Do, do you feel like fatherhood has changed you? Absolutely. I have I have to be very. um. Well, I don't know the word like I have to just 
you know, he's going to be crazy. He's going to scream and he's going to be bratty and stuff. So it's like, I can't, you can't argue with a baby. You know what I mean? Right. So you just gotta, you got to, um, like console them and like take care of them. And, and, uh, you know, life is good, bro. My, me, my girl, my baby every day. That's family. I'm all about the fam and, and, and the gym, your face, the gym man. fam too. I could see it in your face. Like I could see the smile, like even now, like there, there is not like we've had moments. Let's be honest. We've had moments where you've, gotten mad at me and other media members and it just feels like you're in a good spot did you feel did you feel like last year did you feel like you were losing control a little bit did, didn't they make you go to anger management or something like that did that help yeah it was educational and that's what i'm saying is like i have this experience now in all these areas and i can i look back and i'm like dang man i was really like stupid a lot and I still am um, but you know like I said I just have sometimes I try to be quiet because I feel like I don't want to say something stupid or upset anybody or hurt anybody's feelings like don't try to make a joke when it's you know it could hurt someone's feelings so like um I just, but then I also, it's like a fine line. Life is about balance. You know what I mean? You can't just always be quiet because then no doors will open for you. If you, you have to knock or you have to say, you know, something sometimes. So, oh, that was another thing I, that made me think because when, as I said that, I thought, you know, Jake Paul did say one good thing last night at the end of his little thing. He was talking about the boxing bullies and kids yeah. get confidence and he used to be a bully and it's not cool. That was really cool. But yeah. Uh, and he also said, you know, it's kind of funny. He was like, they were like, you asked, oh, do you want to fight Tommy Fury? And he was like, uh, I need to figure out who I am. Uh, T, T Woodley must have caught him with a good one because he wants to figure out who he is now. Yes, uh, he mentioned something about uh, needing a haircut, which to me, his hair looks like it's cut every day uh, and going to the dentist. He did catch him with a good one. I mentioned something, um, and I'm curious, like, you know, most fighters get into the fight game, get into prize fighting to get rich, right? That's the ultimate goal. Like, no one's just doing this for the fun of getting punched in the face. He's already rich. And so at some point, do you feel like he's going to say, yeah, this was cool, this was fun, I sold out my hometown arena, all that but I already have millions of dollars. I don't need to keep doing this. Like, you know, that's the thing that people say about Connor now. He has the money, so he doesn't have the same motivation as he did six years ago. Jake is coming into this as a millionaire already. So do you feel like he's not long for all of this? Because at some point, the novelty of getting punched in the face and sparring and cutting weight is going to wear off real quick. No, I mean, that's what I told him. I respect about it. You know what I mean? He is, he's a wealthy guy, and I don't know if he had to do this. Maybe he did have to do these things, him and Logan, uh, because it was just, I mean, the opportunity for them to get a big check off pay-per-view. I mean, and it's a huge check for these guys. Right. So it's not like me where I had to really work my way up, and I'm still trying to work my way up. It's still nowhere close to any type of money they get in one night. So, um, you know, I mean – I'm sure now at this point, all the training that they've done, boxing is a part of them. 
And even if you see them fight once every two years, uh, I'm sure they'll want to again because they're the type of guys, especially Jay, they're, you know, they're, they're crazy videos and like they like to do fun stuff. And, and this is just a, there's an adrenaline rush like no other when you're in the middle of that arena and you're fighting. And so for you now, do you want to go down the boxing route? Like if you could, would you like to take a break from MMA and, and, and see what's out there in boxing? Tommy Fury, Jay Leon Love, eventually get to the Jake Paul fight. Um, is That feels like what you're leaning towards. Am I, am I right? Would you like to take a break from MMA and focus on boxing? I mean, I don't want to shut a door. Okay. I don't want to close a door that has gotten me so much in my life just because, like, of course, I'm a fan of a lot of things in boxing. I do feel like the show looked a little funny at times. Um, the setup, the ring, I don't know. Like, the octagon just seems... Like I said, I don't want to shut any door. So if the okay. opportunity is there, if somebody wants to fight me, that's it. I just want to fight. And I want to know what kind of fight I'm doing so that I can prepare for it. I, I have a pro boxing fight, but I took it on two days notice when I was 2-0 as a pro MMA fighter. I took a pro boxing match against a real boxer, um, and he was 6-1. He was and I thought, oh, he's got one loss. I'm going to go in there. And I was just too slow for him. He was moving around, backing up the whole time. And I bring the fight forward. So knowing that now, I like I said, what if T. Woodley just started backing up last night and made Jake come forward and then changed, you know, the pace all of a sudden? Would, would Jake come forward? Would there have been any fight at all if T. Woodley did that? So – you know, there comes time in there when you just got to bite down on a mouthpiece and go for it, and it doesn't matter whether it's the octagon or it's the uh, it's the ring. If, you know, if a boxer wants to step in the octagon, I'll pull guard and, and uh, rape them from the bottom. I mean, I don't think a boxer lasts that long in jiu-jitsu at all. And, but... I'm an MMA guy right now I am. So put me in the boxing ring and let me show y'all what I can do. I'll be prepared for any opportunity. Anybody who wants to fight me, I'm going to put on a show. Somebody going to bleed. Motherfuckers going to get cut open and somebody might die. Okay. Well, we hope not that, of course. Uh, no one wants to die. But I'm happy that you are uh, in a good spot. Mike, I'm happy that uh, you, you seem to have found some, uh, some happiness at home. Fatherhood can do that, and I hope that you get what you want next. Great insight on the fight. Great analysis, my friend. Great to catch up with you. I appreciate the kind words, and uh, we'll keep in touch, okay? We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Uh, shout out everybody who's been rocking with Platinum Nation, and we'll be back, baby, better than ever. I appreciate it. Shout out Fusion XL, Coach J. Will, Technique Boxing, JT. Let's go. Shout out Ariel Hawani, the best new uh, analyst. What 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 do you call that job there uh, that you did? Listen, I call that 
Ariel Hawani's job. Okay, Mike? I call it Hilwani's <laughs> job, all right? The all one right. and only. I like it. Thanks, Ariel. <laughs> Peace out, Mike. There he is. Platinum Mike Perry, kind enough to join us. A new Platinum Perry, kind enough to join us. Um, and yes, he did spar Jake Paul. I think that footage is floating around somewhere. Uh, you you might be able to um, to find it, but uh, good insight there regarding their sparring session. And uh, you you can see, you know, slowly but surely, everyone giving Jake props. And you know, I was talking to support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. But to Joe in the back, um, who's been doing such a great job for us over the last few weeks, about the Woodley fight. Oh, he doesn't fight boxers. He doesn't fight boxers. Let me tell you something. Look at the opponents Tommy Fury is fighting. Look how he's being protected. With all due respect, he's great. He's the most good-looking person I've ever met in my life, regardless of gender. He's unbelievable. Um, but let's be real. Let's be real. He's fighting guys who are like 2 and 145. Not quite, but there was one guy, 0 and 26. You're telling me just because that guy's a boxer, that's more impressive than fighting Tyron Woodley, who's 0-0 in boxing, but a former UFC champion? No way. That's Tyron Woodley. He fought at, at Madison Square Garden. Come on. You go eight rounds with Tyron Woodley? I don't care if it's his pro boxing debut. I don't care if he hasn't won in three years. I don't care if he's a four. Like, that guy is still really good, and he could still really punch. We saw it. Just ask Jake Paul. It doesn't matter. The, the game has changed. The landscape has changed. It's a fight. And I don't know at this point how you can't say respect to this young man. He's going through the process. He's walking through the ropes. Yes, he's disrupting. Yes, he's poking his finger. Yes, he's pissing people off. He's picking a fight. He's saying things that can be deemed disrespectful or whatever. He's also selling out legitimate arenas, like actual NBA arenas. That's the home of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, Let's give credit where it's due. Not everything has to be, you know, fake, hated on, whatever. So uh, you can listen to my take on it all. My take doesn't matter. Someone's take who I'm dying to hear is Boxing Royalty is one of my favorite people that I met while at ESPN 
an absolute mensch of a human being and an absolute brilliant, brilliant mind when it comes to the sweet science. What an honor it is to have the one and only Teddy Atlas on the program to help make sense of what happened last night in Cleveland, Ohio. There he is, the one and only Teddy Atlas. Teddy, thank you so much for doing this. I know you had to rearrange your schedule a little bit for me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for the time and good to see you. Anything for a good person. There's not a million of them out there. <laughs> so any, <laughs> anything you, for a good human being. And I'll tell you, you, you're making me stretch my universe because I never did this before. I had, I had somebody coming over here who does our podcast and um, we rescheduled our podcast. We, we do it today. And so my, my guy who films it, he, he was coming later. And then I said, well, can you come earlier again? because we've rescheduled this and I'm doing this with Ariel. So he got caught up in traffic. So I didn't think he was going to make it. He just walked in actually a few seconds ago. So I didn't want to disappoint you. So I, I mean, I feel like I just like split molecules. Like uh, I, I feel like I just conquered space. I, this I is the first time that you've done a zoom on your own. First time. First wow. time. So, yeah, I mean, I <laughs> thank you. Thank you for I believe in you, Teddy. I'm happy. Uh, thank you if, for if nothing else. Me into this world where I could get a little bit a toe outside the world of fighting for a second, only fighting, and I could actually do something beyond that. I, I really I feel like I'm in outer space right now. So this is beautiful. Well, I'm happy you're doing it with me that we're traveling together to outer space. Uh dying to know your thoughts on First off, the main event, Jake Paul wins via split decision. Bit of a surprise there, but he wins the the, the decision nonetheless against Tyron Woodley. Eight-round fight, it goes the distance. I, I will just sit back and, and just soak it all in, digest your knowledge, your wisdom. What did you make of the fight last night, Teddy? Well, first of all, first of all, I, I had picked Paul to win the fight, um, but I had picked him to win by knockout, you know, full transparency. Right. We were always very honest. We try to be very honest and we should be honest. And so that's, that's the first thing. Um, and the reason why is I just saw a vulnerability in Woodley where he would push his jab and Paul is confident with his right hand. You know, I'm not saying he's got an Ernie Shavers right hand, but he's got a decent right hand. And he's more importantly, he believes in it. So I thought there'd be a window of opportunity to sneak the right hand over that push jab. But where Woodley threw a curveball to me, and it shouldn't have been a curveball, to be honest, is he continued what he's been consistent with. And in no way am I knocking the greatest welterweight champion in UFC history. That would, that would be blasphemy. I'm, I'm not doing that at all. I'm just pointing things out from, from my yeah. perspective, from my world and my experience. And what I, I saw is what he's been doing. And just the, he's lost four fights in a row for a reason. He, obviously, he's gotten older. Okay, we understand that. He's 39 years old. But his demeanor has become more passive. And, and that's probably a word I shouldn't use <laughs> in, in UFC. But, but there's degrees of passiveness. passiveness. And he, he has just gotten more cautious. And mm. 
it's caused him to lose fights. So that remained with him. And he made a decision to continue to be cautious rather than be vulnerable. And I think it allowed him to be able to go the rounds and be competitive, but it stopped him from having a chance to win. And, and that's the truth. It, it just, and, and again, maybe at 39, he's not able to run the engine uh, faster than that anymore. Maybe. But you sticking to that analogy of a car and an engine, he spent too much time revving the engine in the driveway. He didn't get it out on the road because, yeah, he applied pressure, but with no punches. I mean, to speak of, only in spots, the fourth round and the eighth round. But he didn't, he didn't punch enough. And pressure without punching, well, it's kind of like the fall is coming, autumn is coming, and there's going to be a lot of leaves to rake. And it's kind of like raking all those leaves, Ariel, and you rake them all into a pile, and then you don't get rid of them. <laughs> you just leave them in a pile, and the wind blows them back, and you got leaves again. And what the hell did you do? <laughs> you didn't do nothing. You just got tired. And that's kind of what that's kind of what happened. That you know he he raked the leaves <laughs> into a pile. You know, but he didn't get rid of them and he didn't punch and he left, he left his man, Paul, there. And just like the leaves will come back and they will scatter and they will take their place. Well, Paul was able to come back and scatter to the outskirts again and use the jab and be able to, to, to carry the action or carry the, the rhythm of the fight and be able to control the parameters of the ring enough to win. That, that split decision it was absurd. It was absurd. I mean, Paul won probably six rounds. You want to make it five rounds, five. But to have a split decision, no. But the bottom line is that Woodley, whether he made a conscious decision or that's him now, that's just his M.O., I mean, that's him. You know, I always talk about fighters. We talk about them like machines too much, Ariel, where we say, well, the guy's going to do this because he's got a good left hook and he's, he's got endurance and he's, he's physically strong and he's this. No, it means crap. It's attached to your temperament, to your character, to who you are. I stayed to the racing car. The racing car, yeah, it's got all, that, it's got all those RPMs in it. It's got all that horsepower in it, or a special race car, but it's up to the driver. Is the driver aggressive? Does, is the driver the guy that drove Miss Daisy? If it's the driver that drove Miss Daisy, guess what? The race car don't mean deadly squat. How many horsepower it's got in the race. It don't matter because you're going to drive it slow. It's, and, and, that's, and that is now. That is what Woodley is. He drives the car slow. And at the end of the day, I don't know if he made a conscious decision to keep it slow or it's just what he does now. And it's become ingrained into him, into his confidence, into his system and his lack of maybe confidence to a certain extent 
of trusting himself to, to open up, if you will, and get it on the highway. So at the, at the end of the day, yeah, he won the fourth and the eighth round, but even then, he didn't, he didn't sell out. And then listen, give him credit, he didn't get caught either. He didn't get caught either. But what was his, at the end of the day, I th- what was truly his goal? You know, what was his goal? Was it to win or was it to be not embarrassed? And I, I think that it's a fair question to ask. And it's not a knock. It's really not. How can I knock a man who's been such a special gladiator? Of course, I would never do that. Matter of fact, at the end of the day, in my mind, they both won. They both won. Yeah, I know they both got paid, but I'm not talking about those dimensions uh, financially. They both won in a way that, again, Woodley didn't get embarrassed. He he showed that he could be competitive there, and he showed that he could go into a boxing realm. Yeah, yeah he's not in there with Jake LaMotta. I get it, but... He's still, he's out of his realm. He's purely, he's not allowed to bring his skill set or his other skill sets, his real skill sets. He's not allowed to bring that. And let's be fair about it. That, that's, that's part of it. Um, at the end of the day, if you want something physical, tangible, that won the fight, that carried the fight, the longer jab of... Of Paul. Now, yeah, we know he's big, he's taller, but he extends his jab. Willie doesn't extend his jab. And again, he developed this over the recent years of getting into a a bad place, a losing place, where he was always just pushing it, looking for the right hand, looking for that to get him home. And and not 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 snapping that jab out. Now, extending it, not getting full value for it. And the one thing about Paul, he, again, you could be taller and longer, but it don't mean diddly squat if you don't throw it longer. And he threw it longer. And by throwing it longer, he was able to keep the separation he needed to keep Woodley from getting into his area where he needed to land the right hand or, or he was doing okay with the left hook, to land anything. He, he was able to, as I often say, control the geography. The, because the geography, from the, just from the physical standpoint of a fight, is so important. Who controls the area that they need to control for the assets they have that best serves those assets? And for Paul, it was to control the outside. And Woodley could have done better if he extended the jab, shorter or not, if he extended the jab. And he did once or twice, and it landed. But there was no consistency. There was no consistency to do that. And no, maybe the habit has become too ingrained, or maybe the mentality of, of being defensive-minded of being cautious. Maybe, maybe that has creeped into his, into his subconscious now to the point that he doesn't really fully understand that or have full control over 
the idea of, you know, sort of letting the throttle, opening up the throttle to the point that he would have had to, to, to actually do more than just go rounds and, and just be there. He was there. He was there competitive. There was always a chance. At the end of the day, you know, he can hang his hat and will hang his hat on. He, he came, he heard him. He, he tested him. Um, you know, uh, he can make an argument in his mind that he was beyond competitive, that maybe he should have got the fight. And like I said, they both won in a way that he, a lot, he didn't, get embarrassed the way Askren did. He, you know, he went in there, he behaved like a champion. He showed, he showed why he was a champion. He showed that pedigree. And the other guy won in a way, not only that he got his hand raised, but that he got tested. And then he behaved like a fighter when he got tested, where people weren't sure if that would happen where he showed some more, something authentic, some, some credit, he, he gained credibility. He gained credibility. He already, his bank account has already gained enough, but he hadn't gained in the other currency, the currency of people believing that he actually had the character of a fighter. And, and he won in that area. So they both won in their own ways uh, with, you know, without getting their hands raised, without even talking about how their bank account, bank accounts got increased. Um, they, they both gained what they were looking for as people, as competitors, uh, as people that have to live with themselves more than just, you know, on a stage. And, um, Again, Can I, ask I, you, Teddy. I, yeah, how did you feel about Jake going into the fight, and did your respect for him change? You know, I said on the broadcast that I thought he was fighting for respect. I thought Tyron was fighting for his legacy, and I think his legacy is intact. Nothing's changed there for Tyron. But the boxing community, as you know, sort of looking down on Jake, calling him a circus, not recognizing that he's giving the likes of Amanda Serrano and Daniel Dubois and Montana Love, legitimate fighters, a chance to fight on a bigger platform and shine. For some reason, ignoring that fact. But as far as Jake the fighter, who now went eight rounds, who took big shots, who showed that he could go the distance with a former UFC champion, even if it's in his pro boxing debut, for someone like yourself which, you know, I think it's, it's the ultimate compliment if you say you respect someone in boxing. Do you now have a newfound respect for Jake Paul after what he did I last respected night? him from the beginning in this way, Ariel. And this might blow some people's minds up and there'll be brain material all over the walls because Teddy Atlas is... Uh, <laughs> because Teddy Atlas is daring to give any credit to a guy who dares to invade... Um, the sacred place of boxing. Yes. Dares yes, I love to do that. Dares to do that. Oh, Teddy, how can you say that? This is destroying the integrity of our sport. Listen, I gave him credit and respect for going out there in an earnest way and learning the sport the best he could and committing himself to it and really, really dedicating himself to learning. I, I, I gave him respect for that from the beginning. And I gave him appreciation 
and understood and kudos for doing the American the American way, finding a way to make money, you know, without doing something criminal. He he found a way to make money and he dedicated himself to what had to be dedicated to look like a fighter and to be able to technically be able to get in those waters and not drown. And what I found out was when a wave hit him, because before he was just swimming at his own leisurely pace, he was. And, and I give him credit, he learned how to swim. He learned how to swim in a boxing, in a boxing pool. But this time he got smacked with a freaking wave. And he didn't jump out of the pool. <laughs> That's what, yeah. And for me, until he got hit with that wave, I didn't know what was underneath. And I found out that I had suspicions that there was something underneath because of the way that he went about, you know, committing himself to this. Um, and, and the way he put himself out there, where when the moment came, you know, it's almost like he put himself out there so much that he better step up when the moment came or he better find a cave somewhere, you know, real far away where there's not a lot of people living, um, you know, because it, it would be kind of embarrassing walking around as him uh, if he didn't. You know, it's kind of like I, I would see these fighters when I was doing a fights for ESPN all those years. And I would see them at the weigh-ins and they would have a tattoo of, uh, of a chain and gloves around their neck on their body. And, and people would say, gee, why would you do that? Why would you put that? I know why they did it. To force themselves to live up to what they've said they're living up to. To force them to, to put themselves on the carpet to put themselves on record because you will look foolish with that tattoo around your chest and neck if you do not get to that place that you say you're good enough to get to, that you're putting all the marbles into that corner, if you will, into that court. So it, it, it kind of forces you. you. You force yourself to remind yourself that you must get there. Otherwise, you will embarrass yourself. Otherwise, you will not be able to uh, live it down. You, you, I remember one time I had a fighter uh, in the corner, undefeated heavyweight fighter, and he had orange dreadlocks. You know, a very talented fighter. And he was, he was being tested a little bit in the fight. And he wasn't... I was concerned. I was concerned... You know, it wasn't a big stage like HBO or anything where we were up there. We, but we wanted to get to that stage. And if he didn't win here, we don't get to that stage. And obviously, he had gone out of his way to have this look, you know, so people would know who he was. And I needed to wake him up. I needed to remind him of what it meant. So I got a pair of scissors and I started cutting the dreadlocks, the orange dreadlocks off. I cut a few off and threw them into the water bucket. And he was like, what, did, what, what, are you, what are you doing? What am I doing? I'm helping you. I'm helping you. I'm getting you ready for what you're going to have to do on tomorrow if you don't perform 
to the way that you need to perform. Because otherwise, everyone's going to say, oh, that's the guy with the honest dreadlocks who, who was supposed to be a, a champion fighter, who, who, who showed everybody what he looked like and what a champion would look like. And he wasn't afraid to have that look to stand out and, and to have, you know, everybody admire that, everybody embrace that, everybody obviously acknowledge that. But now that you're not looking like you behaving like that and you might not be prepared to behave like that and do the hard part. I I'm helping you now. I'm, I'm, I'm getting you, you know, I'm taking them off so people won't know who you are. So people will point a finger and say, that's the guy who acted like he was, who, who dressed like he was going to be a champion, but he didn't fight like he was going to be a champion when the moment came. So I'm helping you now, you know, yeah, you're going to have to get a, you might want to get a wig and a nose and, you know, those fluffy eyebrows, but I'm, I'm helping you at least get rid of this and get started with the disguise. So for me, you know, Paul was in that position where when you put yourself out there that much, my guess would be that he would have to find the strength when the moment came that he knew that, that he knew that. Otherwise, like I said, you, you go into witness protection plan. You know, you, you, you better find a, you know, a real quiet cave somewhere uh, because otherwise the rest of your life is going to be people pointing and saying, that's the guy who uh, made believe he was a fighter. You know, that's the guy who made money without, you know, Talk to talk, but when the walk came, you know, he, he, he sat down. He didn't walk the walk. So I felt that he would probably, but, but you never know till you know that he would behave that ask, way. Could I ask about the notion, you know, I, I was just talking about this earlier. As you know, most people get into fighting ultimately to get paid, to get rich. No one wants to do this just for the sake of doing it he's getting into the sport of prize fighting already being rich, uh, being rich, excuse me. And so I'm wondering if we have to almost appreciate this young man while he's still here in the world of boxing, because at some point, I, I almost like sensed it yesterday in the post-fight interview, he's going to say, all right, this was fun, but I don't want to keep getting punched in the face and training and cutting weight because I already have the money. He's doing this the reverse way. It's the thing we're saying about Conor McGregor now, right? He's rich. He doesn't want to pound the pavement anymore. This guy's already rich at 24 years old. So do you think this is going to you know, be somewhat short-lived because he doesn't have to go through all the trials and tribulation to get the money? He he already has the money. No, I don't think so. Because okay. I don't think so. I, I think he's he's in search of something, you know, deeper, inner, more inner, where, you know, finding out for himself who he is and who he can be. And if he can be that. Um, and you only get you don't get a lot of chances to find that out. When the time comes, you know, especially athletically in this way, you you make the jump to say I'm in or you don't. I mean, you, you can't do it later. You can't do it 15 years, 10 years from now. And I think that this kid has a little bit, I think he has a little bit of the sort of mind 
that he he get a chance to stand out um, maybe once in a lifetime to again to kind of trace who you are challenge where you can go and you know can I be better and can I be better than what I've been and how and then once you get there how good can I be and I don't mean athletically and physically but I mean as far as going into Kevin's spaces darkness and not being sure whether or not you're going to be able to get through and kind of lighting the lights as you go. And when you think about what a privilege that is, wow, what a blast to, to be able to, you know, push your own limits, push your own walls back and then start to wonder, are there walls? I mean, are there walls? Or are there the walls that we put up that we say, you know, we can't go any further because we dare not to go any further because we, you know, we, we don't, we, we haven't seen what, what that is. And, you know, people go out there and they, they jump out of airplanes, you know, to, you know, without parachutes, you know, and, and then at the last second, they are, they're pushed to limits of when they open up to shoot or what kind of shoot they're, they're going to open up. They want to see what, what they're willing to deal with. Like how, you know, how, threatened can you get because everything is a threat to us when we get to a certain place you know in life you know it's a threat that we're getting old it's a threat that we could get sick you got to take care of yourself it's a threat that you, you might ask for too much and your boss might fire you you know uh it's a it's a threat that you might throw the ball if your baseball puts you too hard and you could blow out your ligaments i mean what how far are we willing to deal with these threats to find out what we can truly do? And um, I think he's got an opportunity to do this. And I think on some level, he, he, he understands that. And I think it's, I, I obviously there's a certain celebrityness that goes with it. Uh, and, and a certain, you know, uh, high, if you will, that that is gotten from it, you know, being able to be that that person, that star, so to speak, that celebrity now. Um, but again, it, it's also something more inner, more personal, where you can just, you know, without getting too um, too much with this, to find out, you know, what your purpose here is. Like, you know, what, do I have a purpose where maybe I can teach people? Maybe by doing this, you know, because I saw a little growth. It was the first time afterwards that he actually said something that was decent and made sense where 
he used to say a lot of selfish baloney stuff that was just self-promoting and you know it was part of that that you know yeah, what, nice. what you'd kind of expect but he talked about bullying he talked about mm-hmm. you know not being bullied he talked about how he was less of a person and he's learned to be a better person now by not bullying and maybe that's part of why he's doing this because he didn't like that person maybe he felt that he was fraudulent and now he wants to find out if he's not fraudulent and you know because he wants to find out now that I'm not in a position where I have the upper hand all the time where where the script is written so to speak um where you know I have people with me or whatever it is to bully somebody now now maybe he's you know he wants to he wants to find out if he's better than that and he wants to be better than that and, and I think he is and I think, I think he's he is a better person I think he is too and he showed that I think and I don't want to get carried away with it but I think he did no, show that it's the ultimate proving ground to show uh, who you truly are you're in there and I think he's paying a penance I think we all I think in our own way for our sins no matter how young or how old we are we, we pay a penance, a private penance. And, and I think that in his own way, he, this is his penance. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, where, you know, he, he needs to put himself in a position where maybe he could get smacked and maybe he could get paid back for some of the things that he, he maybe things he deserves to be paid back for, right. or maybe he can get beyond it and get awarded and rewarded for daring to improve in that area. And, and that's, I, I, I think that that's part of it. And, um, mm. I, you know, I, I just it, think that, um, and that's why you have to respect him ultimately because he is putting himself out there when a lot of other people. Yeah, and listen, having said that, I'm always a person that, you know, I always admire the fighters that are the most dimensional. And so I look at all dimensions. I, I almost to a fault where I'll put, if I don't have a flashlight, I'll put a pen light into a little crevice and say, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, there's still something we didn't look at over here. And that's that's not let's not forget that also here's something that are you know for the people that didn't lose their minds they're losing when I say this initially he's a lot like Floyd Mayweather where he's very smart about picking his opponents where he he picks his opponents he's not stupid you know he's he's not on a kamikaze mission he's on a mission but it's not kamikaze it's it's to accomplish something and to win and to be alive, and knowing there's a risk, but a belief that he will be superior to that risk, he will be up to that risk, and so let's understand that part of it. That he picks Woodley, he picked Askren, he picked uh, Robinson. I mean, he picks all these guys, knowing that. There. And still, you got to admire him because even with that, Woodley still hurt him. Woodley still mm-hmm. got to him. You know, Woodley is still a, a, a legendary UFC fighter. Uh, a, a, you know, a guy who's a gladiator. And he got in a ring with that guy. 
And but he knew that he had certain edges, certain advantages. You know, I I think that he he looks at those things pretty carefully. He understood what I understood, why I picked him. That yeah, he Woodley, picked, he picked the guy who had the the the, the who was on the losing streak. With the uh, you know with the resume that he was able to pick off at this juncture in his career, Teddy, I don't mean to cut you off, but we have to get going, and I know you have to get uh, to your next uh, your next endeavor, which is your podcast, which I want to tell everyone to go check out. It's called The Fight with Teddy Atlas. Uh, you've got a podcast that you're about to uh, tape now that will be dropped later. It is always an honor to have you on. It's always an honor to pick your brain to talk to you. I appreciate this very much, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. I appreciate you. You're the man, Teddy Atlas. There he is, the one and only boxing royalty. You feel a little bit smarter about the fight game when you have Teddy Atlas on your program, and uh, I feel a little bit smarter, and I hope you enjoyed that insight as well. All right, we'll take a, a bit of a pause as far as the... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The uh, Tyron Woodley, Jake Paul fight talk is concerned because we do have to turn our attention to this Saturday afternoon, special afternoon card being catered towards the European audience. Why? Because there's a ton of European fighters competing on this card. It's headlined by Darren Till versus Derek Brunson, of course. It goes down Saturday at the Apex, but the other fight that everyone is talking about among a bunch of other fights, it's a solid card is the long-awaited, much-anticipated debut, UFC debut of one Patty the Batty Pimblet. Yes, he will finally make his debut against Luigi Vendramini. Uh, and this is a fight that a lot of people are looking forward to because Patty, of course, is a fan favorite who comes out to that great song. dun 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 I mean, it's one of the all-time best. I, he better come out to that song. We're going to ask him that question and a whole lot more in a matter of seconds here as he joins us, the former Cage Warriors champion, the pride of Liverpool. He, uh, he's he, Like I said, he's a fan favorite, and we've been waiting for this. And, and, we, and a lot of people thought, actually, that you know maybe this would come uh, a little bit sooner. But uh, all good things come to those who wait. And so without further ado, let us go back to the Zoom machine and say hello to Patty, the Batty Pimblet. Look at that, man. So skinny. I don't even recognize you, Patty Pimblet. Wow. Look at this face. Svelte. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I look a lot different now like from when I did the last time I spoke to you. Yes. How much do you weigh right now? It was only 74.9 kilo when I woke up this morning, lad. So that's about, I don't know, I've only got four kilos to lose to make weight. About yeah. 163 uh, pounds, John. Yeah, 165. Um, and so this is such a big deal. You know, your fans, the MMA community, they have been waiting a long time for you to finally step foot inside the UFC octagon. Could you tell us on the Monday 
before your debut, five days out, what is going through your mind? How are you feeling about this endeavor you're about to take? I feel good, lad. I just, I can't wait, lad. I can't wait to land in Vegas, have all the UFC officials and a headlock, uh, bounce out to my song like I always do, finish this this crab in the first round, and then call Instagram out of my post-fight interview and um, and uh, demand a 50-gram bonus, and then that's me. <laughs> uh, what, what do you mean, uh, for those that don't know, why would you call Instagram out? Because I've had my account disabled because of trolls, you know what I mean? Trolls attack me and bully and harass me, and then I'm, I, I'm not one to sit there and be bullied and harassed. I give it back and I attack back, and I've had my account disabled for bullying and harassment when I'm the one that gets bullied and harassed. It's That's absolutely true. ridiculous. So people They're ruining are... my livelihood. So what, what's happened? They, 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 they... And how many followers did you have, by the way? 157 or 158,000. Okay, obviously a very significant number. So people are what, like they're trolling you in the comments or something and you're writing back and then it escalated and they disabled your account? Yeah, or like even I was having a back and forth with one and he even said to me, put this on your story then. So I did, I put our back and forth on my story and then he reported it and that was the last thing that my account got took down for. Uh, and now, okay, so now that account is gone and you have to start a new one. Yeah, at the minute I've had to change my podcast account to me to Paddy the Baddy UFC. But uh, as I say, I'm, I'm still I'm still gonna be campaigning to get my real Instagram back because it's messing with me livelihood, man. It's that's how I earn money. It's spot out sponsors and stuff like that and help promote my fights. Uh, I, I need that back. Like the way they can just do that to someone. They said I've had five warnings, but every one of them warnings is where people have attacked me and I've retaliated. Okay, so the the new account for now, or at least the temporary account, is Patty the Batty UFC. But you want to get so I, I I would urge everyone to follow that account for now. But hopefully you do, and maybe the UFC can help you. By the way, they have a great social media team. Maybe I hope they, they do. I hope the UFC can help me. To be honest, uh huh. I really do. Um, I, I don't know if you can though. That's the annoying thing. I've I've spoke to a few people at the UFC so far, but. Hopefully, lad, when I land tomorrow night, I can get Dana in a headlock and say, speak to Instagram, lad. Tell Zuckerberg, right. get me fucking Instagram back up. <laughs> uh, can I make just one suggestion for you, Patty? Don't engage with the trolls anymore. Don't read the comments. Oh, no. I've, um, I, if you saw it on me Twitter, um, I, I don't respond to no negativity no more. I decided like two weeks ago. And that's why this has infuriated me even more because I've even said now I'm not... I'm not. I'm blanking out all the negativity. I'm only responding to positive people. And when I've said this and I've made a new, I've said what I'm gonna do. Instagram won't give me my account back. It's it's ridiculous. What can you say? You know, there was some drama. People thought that your fight was off. That you wouldn't make your debut, and you were responding to that nonsense. What happened? Nonsense. My fight was never off. Not one point was this fight ever off. Um, I, I, I just would rather the journalist would have come to me and asked me is your fight off you know what I mean um, it was just it's ridiculous I think his manager got asked if Paddy doesn't get a visa in time would you have a replacement opponent and they've said yeah and then they've went to this journalist and said we've been offered a new opponent well did you have a contract in front of you to sign was it an officially a new opponent because I don't think it was hmm and you're good, right? You got the visa. You're all good. You're traveling. 
Uh, I think yeah, tomorrow, well, that's, I mean. that's why that's why I'm not I'm not there now because uh, we're at a bank holiday today in England. My the embassy never sent me passport back in time, so I'm not getting my passport till tomorrow morning. That's uh, why I'm not in Vegas right now. But I'm getting this, my passport tomorrow morning, and I'm flying at two fifty-five. Has this been stressful for you in addition to getting ready for your UFC debut? Yeah, this has been more stressful than getting ready for the fight, lad. Well, more really? stressful. Really? Yeah. Man. Um, to the point where it's like affected you? You're affected your training? Do you feel like it's been a distraction? Yeah, last Monday when I went to the embassy and I, I went to the embassy and because I got a caution when I was 19. A caution means like it's not on your record no more and it was for possession of cannabis, which is legal in Las Vegas. <laughs> and the man in the embassy told me that I was ineligible for a visa. So oh the UFC had to send off for a special waiver, and luckily enough, it came back in time. But when I got home from London on the Monday night, I sat in my house and cried for an hour, thinking that I wasn't fighting. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? So like, I, I literally sat there for an hour and cried my eyes out and thought that it was over. I've had the best camp of my life, and a man sitting behind the desk has stopped me from fighting. So this has been an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, very emotional roller coaster. Had. Does it concern you at all that it's been too emotional? That it's been too much? You know, you you try. It's never perfect, but you try to have the best training camp possible with no distractions. Has it been? To too be honest, me, me me training camp has been perfect. Like mm. I feel absolutely on fire when I do me boxing, me kicking, me jujitsu, me wrestling, me sparring me S and C, like I'm a new specimen now. I'm a different animal. Even to what I was six months ago when I fought David Martinez. Uh, I'm a completely different animal now. And uh Luigi's not gonna be ready, man. I swear to God he's just he's not gonna enjoy his, his he's on, he's not gonna last any more than five minutes, so he's not gonna enjoy his five minutes of fame in the cage with me. You think it lasts less than a minute? Oh excuse me, less than a round. Yeah. I can't yeah. see him getting out the first round. I'll be super disappointed if he gets out the second round. There's no way he gets out the second round. But as I say, it, I'll be hats off to him if he gets out the first. You know, uh, Patty, in this day and age, because there are so many UFC fighters already under contract and, and so many promotions, it's rare now to have like a really highly anticipated debut anymore. You know, like... These debuts don't come often. There are some here and there. Even Hamza Shemaev, like people knew about it, but it's not quite like you, who has the following that you have already, who hasn't fought in the UFC. It's been a while since we've had one of these. Does that bring added pressure? Do you feel more pressure going into this fight than even the Cage Warriors title fights? No, not at all. Them Cage Warriors title fights in the Echo Arena with in front of me home fans, like 10,000 people and my own fans. Nothing's ever going to feel pressure like that. That's it. That's the most pressure I'll ever feel. That's why this is a walk in the park for me. This is a doddle. Um, and, and I've always said there's no point in being nervous when you know you're going to win. Hmm. And so what about the fact that you can't fight in England? Uh, this was originally supposed to be in England, and now it's being moved to Las Vegas. How did you feel about that? Yeah, obviously, at first, I wanted, I wanted the home crowd. I wanted it at the O2 Arena. I wanted to blow the roof off the place when I walked out. Um, I know that would have affected my opponents even more, but just the fact that he's standing across the cage from me, I know it's going to affect him. It's going to get in his head. When I see him in the hotel, I'm going to get in his head. <laughs> he doesn't even post nothing on social media. Lad, it's mad. He's, he's not a proper fighter. Why? Why Why do you have to post on social media? 
just got it. You've got to let people know what you're up to, what's going down. Know what I mean? Like I've got more followers than him already on my new account <laughs> than he's got on his proper account. I'm not even verified on it yet. <laughs> what do you have now on the new account? Uh, like twenty four point six thousand or something. Hey, that's not bad. When did you start it? Last week. Oh, not well. I changed. I changed the name on uh, Wednesday, I think. Okay, twenty four thousand in a week is not bad. Less than a week. You know who the boy is, Ariel. Lad. You know yeah, who the boy is. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, so so when you, I mean, it sounds like you feel like you know he's not really doing his part in all this stuff. Uh, when they offered you him, like, was this a fight that excited you, or were you looking for a bigger name? I, I really didn't mind. Like whoever the that was the fourth name I got given to me. Really? I had three yeah, I had three different opponents named to me before it. A Brazilian, another UK guy, a Mexican, and then Benjamini. And I said yeah to every single one of them. And why did the other ones not happen? I don't know. Uh, one of them said, the first one said he was injured and he's fighting two weeks later now. <laughs> uh, okay. the second one I don't know what happened there the other UK guy I don't know if they just didn't want to put two UK guys against each other um, then the Mexican said he was injured as well so then Benzamini got put in and I was like go ahead let's do this mm. did you know who he was? no didn't have a clue I had to watch his fights and what do you what do you think? not too impressed? no um, like uh, in my eyes he's one and two because as fights outside the UFC are meaningless when you're fighting debuts and one and twos, two and threes, stuff like that. Um, it's only his UFC fights what matters to me. And he's only had two at lightweight. One, he caught a flash knockout and the other one, he soundly got beaten over three rounds with uh, Perez Zian, is it? Jabbed his head off for two rounds. Um, I know he's a world-class striker, Zian, but if Zian could do that to him, I'm going to finish him in one. By the way, speaking of the weight, like right now you look so, uh, you know, you look very skinny, uh, but I've seen the photos of you. You look in tremendous shape. I can't imagine you fighting at 145. That's, that that could never happen. No, that's 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 a, in the past now. If I wanted yeah. to make 145, I'd have to nearly kill myself, to be honest. I'd rather, I'd rather live a more happier lifestyle and be at 155 than kill myself to make 145. Um, a lot of people still think that I'm just a bumped-up featherweight and I'm going to be smaller than Luigi. And I think he's going to get a fright when he sees me in person because I'm not a small lightweight no more and I'm only going to get bigger. Now, what about the walkout music? Are we going with... Yes, I can't wait. We're going with that officially. Yes, of, of course, course we have to. That's, that's, that's my walkout song, man. Forever. That's it. Now that's that's it. It's a trademark, it's like the hair. Yes. <laughs> Although I, I noticed you kind of cut the hair. It's a little shorter than you. It's usual. a little bit. Nah, it's a little bit short, but in a few days it'll be longer again. So that's what this one I always do. I always get it trimmed a bit, so okay. it's not in my eyes. Who, who? By the way, that song, which I've talked about a lot now over the last few weeks, uh, getting people ready in case they don't know, who introduced you to that song? Like, when did that start for you? When I used to go out partying all the time. <laughs> it's just the song that was was always about when we were partying. Um, it's two different songs mixed together as well. The second song, Heads Will Rolls, from um, what's the film called where they have a big party in their house? Uh, a big party in their house. I feel like there's a lot um, of these films. That's the Wait, where's oh. your hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's off. 
that's off that film. I can't okay. remember what it's called off the top of my head. It's gonna do me head, isn't it? Oh, so um, it's like a re- it's a mix. You made Project the mix? X. Yeah, it's my song. Someone I know is a DJ put it together. The oh, first wow. song's Lethal Industry by Sonny James and Ryan Marciano. And then where that fades out, um, Heads Will Roll comes on out of the film Project X. Wow. So someone made that for you? Yeah, that's really? that's got made for me, that song. That's two different songs mixed together. Oh, I didn't realize that. And and why did you make that song? Or why did this person make it for you? For my warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> what so it got made see- for because um, the, the first song, it fades out and it doesn't have a drop. You know what I mean? It doesn't like uh. kick in. So I wanted it to drop into something and kick in and that's exactly what it done. Uh, and was was this for for your debut or later on in your career? No, no, this was. I think it might have been my first fight at Echo Arena. To be honest, oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was after that. But it was. I, I've had that song now for at least 10, 11, 12 fights. Now you're gonna have to do it in front of essentially no one. So you're gonna have to really bring the energy. There's, I, I think, a smattering the, of people there. Yeah, my last two have been in front of about twenty people, so right. th- this is gonna at least have a crowd. I'm I'm two and zero aerial with first round finishes, with no crowd, so the, the omens are good. Does it maybe does maybe that like do you like it with less people, less less pressure, less hoopla, is or is that just a coincidence? You think? Um, I don't even know. You know, I think it's just just a coincidence. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love feeding off the energy of the crowd, so. Even the fact that there's 150 people there or 200 people there, that's gonna I'm gonna enjoy that. And I like the fact that they're they're putting it on in the afternoon so that the European fans can watch it as well, even though it's not happening uh, in Europe. You've got Darren Till there, but you're like if you see Darren Till in the hotel, you'll slap him, right? At least for me. I mean, you can't. I mean, the guy's just he. I think you should be the main event. It's crazy. People were talking to me and saying like, "Oh, Patty's debut," and they didn't know who Darren Till was. I couldn't believe it. You and Darren have a proper love hate relationship, don't you? Uh, what is your relationship like with him? Um, whenever we see each other, we'll have a chat. Like, um, we're not great friends, but we support each other. Okay. I'll be asking him some uh, Portuguese words That's to shout right. at the opponent. Like, definitely. That's right. That's right. Um, you even got love from Conor McGregor. I did. That I did. Great stuff. Yes. Did you appreciate that? Yeah, of course. It was it was mad. Like I, I went to the toilet at like four in the morning, and then as I got as I got back in bed, I looked at my phone. I, I just tapped my phone to see what time it was, and only people who were verified come up on my home screen, and it said Conor McGregor. I was like, that starting with him, Chris. And then obviously I went back asleep and woke up like two hours later. Went back asleep and woke up like two hours later, and was like, well, Canelo is Conor McGregor. And like yeah. ended up responding to him. Have you ever met him? Um, I met him years ago. Um, it was before he ever had his UFC debut. Um, it was the night uh, Chris Weidman knocked Anderson Silver out, and he we were both in the cage while he was hotel. He was cornering one of his teammates, and I just won the cage while he was debut. And um, he was one of the only other people what stayed up all night. There was him, John Cavana, the Adam Vensi. Dan of Chocolate, um, Ian Dean, and about three other people. And when uh, when Anderson lost, Connor kicked the door. I'll never forget it. It was hilarious. Why? He was mad? Yeah, he wants Anderson to win. 
Oh, wow. That's interesting. Uh, long before he made his uh, UFC debut, and, and of course you as well. Um, speaking of that, you know, he came over from Cage Warriors, and there was all that buzz. You're coming over from Cage Warriors. There was a time when you were kind of being compared to him. As of late, um, the Cage Warriors alum haven't had the best time in the UFC, especially early on. Do you feel like it's a responsibility for you? They treated you so well. I know you're very close with Graham. He's your manager to, you know, put some respect on the Cage Warriors name in the UFC? Because let's be real, yeah. there's, there's been a, a lot of tough debuts as of late. Yeah, there has. I think people like Jai Abram and Mason Jones have had it hard, to be honest. Their debut fights were, were tough. Same as Reese McKee, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. All these guys had tough, tough debuts. Um, I don't consider mine as, as tough, but obviously any fight in the UFC is tough, even though I think I've had tough fights in Cage Warriors. Um but I, I'm here to represent, lad, and I'm going to show everyone how good Cage Warriors is, and it, it's that simple. As you know, Connor comes from Cage Warriors, Dan Hardy, Michael Bisbert, Joanna Jacek. Um, a lot of people forget that, and I'm going to be the next name added to that list. And it's a great story because I know for for a time you thought maybe this wouldn't happen, or and you they approached you in the past, but it feels like the. The stars are aligning for you, Patty, to finally make your UFC debut. You're in a good place mentally, physically, uh, a couple road bumps along the way. But I'm assuming that you now feel like it's all coming together for you at the perfect time to go on a run in the UFC, right? Yeah, it is. Um, I'm so glad I never accepted the offer five years ago or three years ago when I got offered both times. I'm, I'm very happy that I, I turned them down when I did them. Now I'm I'm ready. I'm the readiest I've ever been. As I say, I'm a, I'm a different specimen now. When I uh, when I was fighting for world titles and winning them when I was 21, I was still out partying all the time. Then when I got offered again when I was 23 before the fourth of the lightweight belt, I was too small and I was still a child to fight at 155. Now I'm mature. I've grown to me man body. I'm not just a fighter no more. I'm an athlete now. Like back then, I was just a fighter. I just wanted to get in and scrap. Where now I'm an athlete and it's going to show next week. I, I promise you now, Saturday night, on Sunday morning, everyone's going to be talking about me. That simple. I'm going to steal the show. I'm going home with 50 grand. Uh, hopefully Dana puts the bonuses up to 75 like he did the other week, lad. That's yeah, what I'm yeah. after. Get them bonuses up, Dana. Come on. I'm coming home with dollars here. I need great British pounds. It's not 50 Gs for me. Uh, well, he has been open to changing it if someone asks nicely. So uh, perhaps he is watching and you just asked nicely. I see you have the Liverpool uh, flag behind you representing. Uh, I had heard a rumor that you were considering jumping over to Man United with, with Cristiano Ronaldo, but I guess this is... <laughs> uh, no. I'll stir you the pot. I'll just stir you the pot. Uh, I, I much... hope I'm allowed to put that up when I fight, to be honest, or in the back or the sign carrier. It hasn't got no actual Liverpool flags on it. You see, it's. I think that's why they don't let you do it for trademark. That's just live a bit. You know what I mean? Oh. Anyone can have live a bit. And the 97. And that's what I want to represent, you know what I mean? For my city, for my people. And and for those that don't know, what does the 97 mean? Well, 90, 96 people died at a, a stadium disaster. In 1989, when even before I was born, but it affected a lot of people in my city, and we got a bad name for it. Like our fans got the blame, and it wasn't our wasn't our fans' fault. And recently, so, someone else who was affected by the tragedies died. So it's now the 97, and I'm on a I'm on a witness fight and get a naughty finish for the 97. Don't you worry. I love it. it gives me chills. Uh, Patty, thank you so much for doing this. 
Good luck to you on Saturday. Can't wait. I feel like we've been talking about it on this show. Before I left, uh, we were talking about it. You were here, and now the show comes <laughs> yeah. back, and you're about to make your debut. It feels poetic in a weird way. Uh, I cannot wait to see you finally fight in the UFC this Saturday. I wish you the best, my friend, and uh, thank you, as always, for making some time for us. You are more than welcome anytime, man. You'll, I'll probably, you'll probably want me back on next week, love, when that I become is... one of the biggest stars in the world. Yes. Can we book that now? Yeah, get that booked, lad. Let's okay. do that. Let's do it. I'll see you on Monday, my friend. Kirsty, see you next week, fella. All right, there he is. Patty the Batty Pimblet making his long-awaited UFC debut this Saturday. Again, it's in the afternoon because it was supposed to be a European card and very smart. Uh, they are uh, catering to the European audience. But it's happening at the Apex. 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. A lot of familiar names on the card, headlined by Derek Brunson versus Darren Till. Very important fight for Darren Till. That knob going up against Derek Brunson, who has looked very good as of late, 22-7, but he has a few big wins over Kevin Holland and Mitchabazian in Heinish, Elias Theodoro, uh, kind of set up to be the opponent the stepping stone, and he has said, nah, I'm not going to be your stepping stone. Tom Aspinall, also a teammate of Darren Till's against Sergey Spivak, um, Khalil Roundtree, Patty Pimblett, Molly McCann, Jack Shore, who we should mention, a Cage Warriors alum who uh, has had success 14-0 he is in his pro career, so he's had success. Uh, Charles Jourdain on the card as well. Marc-André Barriot of Quebec. So a little something for everyone as the UFC returns back at the apex. A bit of a break in terms of pay-per-views. They're going like a month and a half um, between pay-per-views. By the way, shout out to Emily Ducotte who had that incredible knockout on Invicta this past weekend. That was amazing. And uh, a knockout that was seen everywhere and that, everywhere that was on their pay-per-view. And an update for all of you at 4 o'clock. Uh, well, first of all, at 3.30, we're going to be joined by Vitor Belfort. In a matter of moments, we're going to be joined by the great Jeremy Piven. But at 4 o'clock, a bit of a, a late addition to the lineup, uh, have secured one Tyron Woodley who you may have heard was involved in that uh, fight on Sunday, yesterday in Cleveland. So let the world know the chosen one is um, is going to stop by at 4 o'clock Eastern, so in an hour. Um, I'm looking forward to talking to him, seeing what, uh, what the game plan is now. Where do we go from here? Is he getting the tattoo? Is he not getting the tattoo? His thoughts on the fight? Uh, some great analysis from Teddy Atlas and even Mike Perry as well. But in a matter of moments, we're going to be joined by Jeremy Piven, the critically acclaimed actor uh, who hosts his own podcast, How You Live In, Jay Piven, big-time fight fan who I've gone to know a little bit uh, via the magic of social media Maybe the highlight of my night last night was uh, moments after I referenced Drake on the broadcast. I kid you not, literally minutes after I referenced him, 
I got a message, finally, after all these years, from one champagne puppy, and uh, it really warmed my heart. It was big. It was big for me. One of many big things that happened to me last night. So uh, a great time to be alive, and, and one of the, uh, the positives that you can get from being on social media. Another positive is the fact that uh, one day I just all of a sudden was uh, conversating with a man who I've been watching on TV, on the silver screen for many, many years, uh, who is an unbelievable actor and who apparently uh, is a big fight fan as well. And so without further ado, let us go back to the Zoom machine and say hello to the one and only Jeremy Piven. There he is. Jeremy, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Congratulations. Oh, my gosh. This is surreal for me. I can't believe you're <laughs> actually on the show, in the flesh. And listen, it's an honor to be here. I've been watching for a really long time. Ever since you you cut that dead weight uh, Daniel Cormier off, <laughs> I've, I've been down no, just kidding. We love DC. We I joke, DC. I kid. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you for doing this. You're You're a podcaster yourself, as I was mentioning as we were setting you up. How 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 you live in Jay Piven is the name. That correct? is correct. Yes, you can get it anywhere. How are you liking this? Because you're having some fighters on. You had Tyron Woodley on last week. You had Jorge Masvidal on. You're kind of encroaching on my territory here, Jeremy. If I'm being honest. Well, listen, I, I'm inspired by what you've been doing. As you know, I've been a fight fan forever, and I trained a bit so that I know how difficult it is, and so that I have a perspective on what these guys have been through. And I'm I'm a huge fan. I Sat down with Oscar De La Hoya just now. I'm going to re release that next. He was incredibly candid with me to the point where I was, I, I mean, I, I, he's such a hero of mine. And he's just a, a beautiful, interesting, eccentric, uh, brilliant fighter. Uh, and of course, he's fighting on September 11th against actually our next guest, Vitor Belfort. So that's going to be really interesting. Uh, but yes. let, okay, so let's start at the beginning. How did you get into the fight game? Who got you into it? How did you become a fan? How long ago was this? How old were you? Um, wow. Uh, Rashad Evans, back in the day, you know, being from Chicago, there are certain guys that I, I just gravitated towards. And so I would kind of train with him a little bit. And then after realizing that there aren't any medium-sized Jews in the MMA, that I had to, I had to go for an early retirement. Um, no, the, you know, guys like that, even Tyron, as you know, are, are really talented in and outside the, the octagon and fascinating dudes. And, you know, I have a little background in Muay Thai. And I remember I was working with a, a guy named Benny Arquitas and I was sparring and I broke my toe and he told me to go back in. And I told him that I was an actor and I taped up my toe and, and then left the dojo <laughs> because I'm, I'm I, you know, I'd lived to, to fight another day. And so I'm just a, a huge fan of the whole game. Uh, what do you like more these days, MMA or boxing? It's fascinating because, as you know, with MMA, they fight everyone. And it's just kind of fascinating in that way. And the best fight the best. And in boxing, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's a little frustrating because they can kind of dodge each other. And so it, it gets a little frustrating. Last night was fascinating. Um, you know, a lot of people would be lying if they said they weren't rooting for Tyron. Um, and mostly because... He's dedicated his entire life, you know, to mixed martial arts and made a lot of sacrifices. And I think people wanted him to show up and he did. And, and I think Jake felt his power. I think we all wanted him to close the show um, and was confused why he didn't or cut off the ring or kind of go for his at that moment. 
And so it was a, a little frustrating for everyone, but you got to give it up for Jake for weathering that storm. And, uh, and it was a fun night. Okay. So uh, I was actually just going to ask you about that fight. Clearly you watched it. Um, mm. Has your opinion on Jake Paul changed as a result of last night? Did you feel a certain way about him going into the fight? And then after seeing what he was able to withstand, what he was able to weather from Tyron Woodley now made you change your opinion on him? Listen, everyone writes those guys off. There is a certain amount of discipline that you have to have to even be on the level they were at or are at as YouTubers. You know, they got to grind every day. They're strong Midwest kids. They got the best trainers money can buy and they're focused. Um, you know, it, it'll just be a very interesting test to see once they, they take on some guys with a background in just boxing, how, how that plays out for them. But, you know, um, even... You know, Dana said, listen, you know, guys are asking for that type of money, but you need to get those types of eyeballs. So it's just really a business and they bring in those types of eyeballs. So like it's it's going to be an interesting journey. We all tuned into the circus and I was one of them, you know, I was front and center, for God's sakes. I was right in the <laughs> yeah, middle of it and I learned everything the, about it, <laughs> bro. You were you were in the belly of the beast. You were inciting uh, rematches. It was madness. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say it was magic as well because I loved it. I I was I was I've literally dreamed of being in that moment and wondered how I would react in that moment. I don't know if I did well or not, but just actually experiencing it for the first because I grew up watching Larry Merchant in that moment, Jim Gray in that moment, Max Kellerman in that moment. And so just for me it was it was honestly like an out-of-body experience. I'm sure you've experienced that in your career as well. It was just surreal stuff. Yeah, but you were ready for the moment. Like like Shakespeare says. I'm going to quote Shakespeare on your show. It could be a first. Uh, yes. the, red, the readiness is all. And you were ready. You were ready. It was great. You had a great time. You were, you were ready for your moment. It was fun to watch. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Do you want to see a rematch? Do you care to see a rematch? Do you feel like there's any interest in that? I, listen, I, 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 you know, it, it's all just fun theater. And, you know, it, it just would be interesting to see because, you know, Tyron is, is so incredibly talented, and I think we all wanted him to pull the trigger uh, more. And as I said to him on my podcast, watch this transition, uh, How You Live in J. Piven, I, I, asked, I asked Tyron, I, you know, no, I, I basically said to him, I don't think this kid has felt your power without headgear. And so it was really interesting when he got hit into those ropes, you know, Tyron has incredible power. And so I think we all wanted him to sell out and go for it and close the show, cut off the ring, all those things. And um, so it might be interesting to see if he if he can achieve that next time. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Jake has the pick of the litter. He can go in a bunch of different directions. So that remains yeah. to be seen. I'm curious, you know, uh, as someone who loves to interview people, like this whole show is just guest after guest after guest. It's always interesting yeah. to me when, when I see a famous person who's usually on the other side of the interview, the interviewee, um, if you will, then transition to become interviewer. Because I often feel like people think like, oh, I could just do it. You know, it's no big deal. I've been asked a bunch of questions. I've been in interview settings for my whole life. But as you know, famous people can be uh, 
quite egotistical and not really <laughs> listen and just want to talk about themselves and whatnot. And so for someone like yourself who has been in the spotlight, but mostly on the other side of the table, right, usually in this setting where you're being asked questions, to now be the guy who's asking the questions, do you feel like that's been a hard transition for you? No, because I'm just, I, as you know, I get to interview my heroes and people that I'm genuinely curious about. And so I come from, I'm from Chicago. You know, I was lucky enough to grow up watching Michael Jordan and Walter Payton and all the greats. Um, and I started kind of interviewing even back in the day. Um, and so, and I've been improvising, was on stage at Second City my whole life and doing this. So like, I'm, I'm, I think if you're, as you know, genuinely fascinated by people, uh, you know, and, and stay in the pocket with them uh, and don't make it about you, you're, you're, you're going to be okay. Um, so I've, I've been having an absolute blast. And, and why start now? Why, you know, there's, there's an abundance of podcasts, right? There's so many. Why start this now? You know, uh, I've been doing stand-up comedy. And so what I started doing was a documentary about stand-up. And so sitting down with Jamie Foxx and Tiffany Haddish and all these great comics and just asking them about their, their world and the difference between good and great and transitions and how they've done it. So I kind of came by all this honestly. Then I was like, wait a minute, I'm doing all these interviews. I'm just going to keep going because I love it. And it kind of unfolded organically into this, into this podcast. And uh, I, I just can't wait to do it. You know, it's, it's been really, really fun. And next, next up also is Rex Lee, who played Lloyd on Entourage. Oh and gosh. so that, that was kind of fascinating because I had, you know, he's just such a, he was just such a pro. And what's funny is I think he was Ari and I was Lloyd because I would go to him in the mornings and say like, is it okay if I say this? I'm about to say, you know, some crazy, crazy ass shit. I'm sorry. Can I swear right now? Ariel? Absolutely. I don't, go nuts. I can. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, 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 okay. I said, uh, Rex, I almost called him Lloyd. See what happens. I yes. said, I'm about to say, have you had so much cum squirted in your eyes that you can't see what's right in front of your fucking face? I'm going to say this. Are you all right with it? And he goes, of course I am. Just let's go. It's, let's <laughs> someone yell action. Let's go. And so, you know, in the mornings, I was always very, you know, uh, I would defer to him. And he was kind of like, you know, ready to go and, and crush it. And, you know, I'm a stage actor from Chicago. And I think when you create an authentic character and you're in people's living rooms for a decade, people get confused and they think that you are that character. So that's one of the many reasons to do a podcast so that people can get a sense of who I am. Mm. And a perfect transition and a great answer there. That's one of the all-time great characters in the history of television, iconic, uh, to put it mildly. Are you tired of the character? You are so, I mean, typecast is a word, like Jason Alexander has had to deal with this. So many greats have had to yeah. deal with this. You are Ari Gold to many people from Entourage right. fame. Are you tired of being yeah. associated with this guy? You know, I think if I was tired of it, I think if I was resentful, it would be a lot of wasted energy because it's, it's a gift to work, as you know. And to play something authentically and then be confused for that character is part of the territory. So it's my job to find other roles that will uh, make a connection with the audience that will last. I just finished a movie with Terrence Howard and Tyrese um, where, uh, you know, I've never played a character like this in my life and I, and it was just incredible. Um, I, I have a movie that's 
called American Night that premieres at the Venice Film Festival in a week. And so I, I'm very lucky that I get to just continue to work and find these different characters and something else is going to hit. And then I'll be typecast as, you know, the Southern Warden that I just played, which was a, a very uh, shocking and offensive character. And he's, he's a guy that kind of, it's based on a true story that cultivates this fight club within his prison. Um, yeah. And it's, it's it, for, for your listeners, I think that they're going to really love it. And, uh, you know, it's, it, they're, they're, you know, life is too short to be resentful and to be, you know what, to be honest with you, that's a great question. And yes, I did used to be offended when they would scream Ari Gold, let's hug it out, bitch, or I'm a douchebag because of you. And they would smack me on the back as I'm at the urinal. I would get a little confused, but um, it's all part of the territory. How, how long did it take you to get over that? A lifetime. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's one of those things, and, and I don't mean to go into this kumbaya TED Talk no, territory it. with you it. right now, but I think it's I think it's about you know for me, like when I was talking to you know the Cuban Jesus Jorge or George Masvidal, and I said you made a transition from good to great, and I knew about this transition. I was fascinated by it, and he was stuck in in Puerto Rico and in, in, in the jungle. And they took his phone away from him and he was alone and got to have that perspective on what he wants, you know, um, and how to go about it. And he wasn't distracted by the circus and your thoughts and doubts and fears. And I think once you kind of stop all that and go inward and meditate and, and kind of own the truth, it's, it's a much better way to navigate. Man, this is getting pretentious. No, th I love this. I th this is this is stuff that I love doing and and talking about. And I don't often get the opportunity to speak to people like you with the career that you had. Now here's where we get back to MMA because yes. the the character that you were playing, portraying Ari Gold, was based off of Ari Emanuel, who's yes. uh, the head of Endeavor, WME, all that stuff. Who now is the owner of the UFC. And so for those that don't know, you know, everyone associates Dana White with it, but it's, it's, it's Endeavor, it's Ari Emanuel, Patrick Whitesell. I'm curious yeah. about this. What kind of relationship did you have with Ari Emanuel as you were playing the character, if any? Uh, great question. Uh, Ari Emanuel is a, is a brilliant businessman, obviously. Um, and, you know, was the inspiration and the prototype and the muse for Ari Gold. He was my agent um, to this day. You know, he represents guys like Mark Wahlberg. And so, you know, unbeknownst to me, I was almost like a dramaturg, like studying this guy. He was my agent. So I got to witness, you know, all of his eccentricities. And so that character is very much based on him. And he's, you know, he's brilliant at what he does. He's a machine. And he has a lot of fascinating dualities that, I was able to throw into that character and, and I had a blast, man. I mean, talk about to equate it to a fighter. It's like, for me as an actor, I've been acting my whole life. I mean, by the time, you know, when I was playing that role at 37 years old, they voted me the fresh face of the year. <laughs> and I said, there's nothing fresh about my face, but thank you. And that was after a lifetime. I've been on stage for 30 years. And I finally broke through. I broke through at a time when professional fighters are retiring. So all I did was just, all I, there's nothing different about what I do. I just didn't give up. 
Um, obviously, the character that you were playing, very fiery and controversial with the things that you, know, you say, you were tough on the people that worked uh, for you and whatnot. Yeah. Who was more eccentric behind the scenes, like like Ari Gold or Ari Manuel? Was Ari Gold like Ari Manuel times a hundred, or were you actually turning it down? How close to the personality were you? I I mean, you know, I shouldn't be saying this, but I, I was so close that I remember at one time someone just said, "Hey guys, this isn't a documentary." Literally, <laughs> can, no, no, I swear to you, they were like, "We have to take that out." And, and by the way, I think one of the reasons why people responded to the show, listen, it was a backstage life about, about Hollywood. If we were getting it wrong, we all would have known. But we did everything we could to get it right and make it authentic. And um, yeah, he's, you know, he's one of these guys who gets it done. He gets it done at all costs. And uh, it was just an honor to play that character. And, uh, and, and again, let my hands go. Uh, I would like to tell you a story that I think uh, you would appreciate about him. Uh, I don't think I've okay. ever shared it on this show or on any show. I've only met Ari Emanuel once. Uh, it was at UFC 208 in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, so very shortly after, they, they pretty much took over at UFC 202, in, Endeavor did. So just a few months after, they took over, February of 2017. And I'm not sure how much you know about my history, but uh, myself and the UFC brass haven't always seen eye to eye, to put it mildly. Not big fans of mine. Uh, just for my reporting, you know, you know how it is. Media, people don't like media. Regardless, I'm in the media room and uh, Ari Emanuel and company walk into the media room. Now, my name is Ari as well, right? I'm Ariel. He's Ari. And so he walks in you know, it's uh, an imposing figure, even though he's not a very big guy, but, you know, everyone knows he has a presence. And he comes up to me and someone says, um, oh, you know, I, I hear someone saying that's Ariel Hawani. And he look, goes to me and said, this sport is only big enough for one, Ariel. And I, I was like wondering, <laughs> and then he says, let's hug it out, bitch. He said that oh, to me. He said, wow. let's hug it out, bitch. And we hugged. Wow. Could you imagine? That's a meta moment, my friend. That's heavy. That's cool. Um, yeah, I think that, that there was a part of him that embraced, listen, how many, he's one of these guys who was at the top of his game, but um, not everyone knows because those guys work behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And here you have a character, a fictional character portraying him. It's rare. And that was a line, you know, the, the show was so brilliantly written by Doug Ellen. Right. And one of the, one of the great, interesting uh, fallacies or misconceptions about the show is that I'm just out there improvising, you know, and the reality is it's scripted and I have to hit every word, every word. And so I have, it's my job to make it feel and seem improvisational. And that's what actors do. Um, but that particular line, I did improvise. Let's hug it out, bitch. So for wow. him to be quoted, for him to be quoting a line that I improvise is really crazy and fun that, that he, he embraced it all. He's having a blast. They're killing it, you know? Um, and I listen, you, you know, we don't know about all the drama with your journey with them, but we know that you're, you know, still you have these great relationships with fighters and you're incredibly prolific and you're doing your thing and it's inspiring. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, 
silly me, I thought the let's hug it out was like a sign of, you know, things to come, maybe an olive branch. Alas, that's the only time I've ever spoken to. He embraced you. And that's, you know, he's, he, he's the big man. That's right. At any point, did he ever say to you, you know what, you're taking a little too far, like this is a little too intense, I would never go that far? No. Okay. No, absolutely not. Um, but, you know, I was just incredibly lucky to have this authentic character to inform me because he is like no other, you know? Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting because I'm, you know, I'm lucky enough to do movies. And then when I'm not doing movies, I'm touring, doing stand-up comedy, jeremypiven.com, go to my thing. Sorry, I'm celebrating myself, uh-huh. Aria. But um, I'm, tour- I'm touring everywhere. And so I get to see in real time that people miss Entourage. You know, they miss that show. They miss the connection. Um, and also the power, as you know, of my podcast. Like, you know, I just, you know, you do have this little conversation and it goes all over the world. and It's kind of crazy. But I do think that people, they miss Entourage. They, you know, we're living in a time where everyone is overcorrecting. We're in this, in this PC culture. And to see people just, listen, Ari Gold was an equal opportunity offender. Mm-hmm. And he just let it go. And he also inspired people through tough love to work hard. And he beat up his assistant because he wanted him to thrive. You thought he was a pig and cheated on his wife, but he was monogamous. So there's a lot of dualities in that character that I think, you know, were kind of fascinating and, and people miss. I think people miss it. Uh, last thing on Entourage, you, you opened yeah. the door for me there, so I'd be remiss if I don't ask. Uh, true or false, at some point in the future, we will see some new version, variation of Entourage. There will be a new piece of Entourage content that will come to us I'm via sorry, HBO we're, Max. We're, brother, we're breaking up. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> see what I did? Uh, yes, it was fantastic. You know yes, brother, I had to do it. Um, you know what, man? You know what's so funny is I'm Tell always me. the last. I'm the last to know. <laughs> I, and I don't know, and I'm not just saying that, but it's just that's the way it's always been. Um, I, I'm, I'm st- you know, doing my thing, grinding, lucky enough to, you know, be, you know, going from one job to the next. And Doug Ellen, who created it, would have to be, Mark Wahlberg would have to sign off on it. Uh, Doug Ellen wants to do it. The cast is down, obviously HBO. And so a few things need, need to happen uh, for, that to, for that to go down. But I think people are really missing it. It's a, I think it's comfort food for a bunch of people. Yes, I, I'm now reminded of that, uh, that Jim Carrey scene in Dumb and Dumber where he says, so you're saying there's a chance, right? Because you did not close <laughs> the door and you gave me a bit of a runaround there, but I appreciate yeah. it and I will leave it at that. Now, you did mention JeremyPiven.com. You're touring, you're doing the yeah. comedy shows. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, Jeremy. Are you doing this more than, than of, of, uh, you know, of, the, of the, the, the comedy tours than, than recently? I feel like you've kind of gone back to your roots as of late. Am I, am I wrong? in that regard, because I feel like you're doing a lot, I'm seeing a lot of you on tour in different random places. Is that something that you've done recently that you haven't done in a while? Yeah. I mean, I I grew up in Chicago doing second city and doing sketch comedy where you're on stage with a bunch of people improvising Stand up is much different. Um, and, uh, I've been going really hard doing about 250 shows a year with stand up all in, but recently 
you know, it, it's interesting to juggle both worlds and to go from being on a, a film set to doing stand-up. But I love, I love stand-up. And, you know, when people see my shows, they come up to me afterwards and they say, I had no idea you were this funny, which is interesting because I, I guess I must have been viciously mediocre on television for the past 30 years. Regardless, it's a huge compliment and I love it. You know, the trick is to just keep getting better. My next project up, um, my sister's going to direct. This is a, I'm giving you the exclusive. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's taken from an Arthur Miller piece, a guy who, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning author. And, um, and we're, we're gearing up for that now. And this is a project I've been putting together forever. And, uh, you know, it's, it's finally coming together. And I have to, to train very hard for it. As I mentioned, I, I got this prison movie, which is centered around a lot of fights. And, um, and that one's called The System. And um, I got to even do my own stunts on that. So it was a dream come true. Um, and, you know, I'm just, just really lucky to be working. What was the last uh, year and a half like for you? Like last night when I was at that fight, that was the first fight that I went to since March of 2020. Um, wow. And I would go to them like, you know, every few weeks. And so it was a little bit emotional for me, for you as someone who's doing stand-up and you're doing films and stuff. Were you out of work for you know, a considerable amount of time during the pandemic? And, and if so, what was that like for you mentally? Uh, you know, I, I, I was, I think it's, it's an opportunity, you know, uh, like Tyron Woodley, I'm a mama's boy. So, um, you know, I got to, uh, I got to even get more momentum with my mother and connect with her all the time. And with people who are older, we need to keep them vital. She's been my acting teacher since I was eight years old. So I would just grab some, Shakespeare or whatever, and I would run lines with her, no matter what, keep it active, make sure that, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a little gym, train, work out, meditate, try to stay on my game. You just, you do everything you can. But yes, there was, there was obviously no live shows and very few film and TV things happening. Um, so there's, you know, for me, not a lot of work at all in that way. And um, just try to find things that you don't do. I think one of the the problems that people have is that they don't want to try something new because they're afraid of looking foolish. And I've made a living out of looking foolish, you know? So you have to, you have to dare to kind of just, just throw it out there and just do it. Um, as we wrap this up and again, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate this, Jeremy. It's, it's, it's an honor to talk to you. Uh, favorite fighters right now to watch MMA fighters. Like if you know, like, all right, this dude's fighting or this, this gal is fighting this weekend. Like I'm not doing anything on Saturday. I'm going, I'm, I can't wait to see them fight again. Are there people that come to mind right now that are really high on your list? Wow. That's a great question. Um, there are guys, boxing is there are guys like Tiafimo Lopez. There are guys out there that are brilliant, brilliant fighters that, that a lot of people don't know about. You know, and so I think that sport needs a little more love. And I think, uh, you know, Oscar is is coming back and, and, and fighting. And I, I had this incredible conversation with him and um, I, I couldn't believe I was telling him things. And, we, and he was revealing things that I didn't had. No, no one knows. Um, and for instance, you know, he's been boxing since he was five, retired at 37, lost to Manny Pacquiao and got out of the game and he didn't want to get out of the game. And he's been trying to get back for 10 years. One of the things that we talked about, cause I, you know, I know Freddie Roach who was, you know, tr obviously training Manny, you know, Oscar had tra track marks on 
as they were facing each other in there and and Freddie looks down and goes, uh-oh, he just got an IV. He was dehydrated. This is a tough weight cut for him. Manny, jump on him. And talking to Oscar, his legs were shot. He's a guy 5'10 and a half cutting to 147 at 37 years old, loses to an eight-time, you know, eight-division champion and then gets out of the game. He's been trying to get back in for 10 years. That's going to be a crazy fight. He's going to fight Vitor Belfort, who was a boxer. You know, and so that's going to be fascinating. I love watching Izzy. Obviously, it, Israel is just like, you know, he's kind of magic. Jorge Masvidal, you know, his, his journey has been incredible. So, listen, I'm, I'm, you know, like you, just a fan, and there's a lot going on. How You Live In, Jay Piven is the name of the podcast. JeremyPiven.com is the website. He might be coming to a town near you. I think the first time I ever saw you, on television as a young boy. I hope I'm not uh, making you feel old. I think it was on the Ellen show, the the, the sitcom, right? You were on that? Uh, I think that was me. Uh, it, yes. It's hard to tell, but yes, indeed. And by the way, I even played George Costanza at one point for the hour finale of Seinfeld. Yes, you Which did. is even more insane. Oh my god! But gosh, by the I way, like... by the way, at the time, because I'm such a dummy, I have that Chicago stage actor mentality. When I did Seinfeld, I was living in the pool house. I was a regular on the Larry Sanders show, still thinking I'm a out of work actor. And so I didn't even have a TV. I had never seen Seinfeld when I was on Seinfeld. Come on. That's how I swear to you. I swear to you. How's that possible? You never saw I, I an did, episode? I, I didn't have a TV. You didn't have a friends, huh? It was like the biggest show. I mean, it was like 80 million people watched the finale. You know, the finale I watched, the finale yes. I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I definitely watched. But I'm just a weirdo, man. I, I just, um, I have a strange reference for pop culture. Like I've seen a lot of, I've seen every episode of Breaking Bad, but, you know, I've never seen an episode of Friends. So, you know, I'm whatever. Okay. I have not you seen know. an episode of Friends as well. I did see The Reunion, which was strange to just watch The Reunion and not the actual sitcom when it was a thing, but that was because my wife. Alas, that's a whole other story for a different day. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Yes. Continued success to you. Uh, you know, I know, you. I know it's been a tough you know, few years for everyone, and uh, you, know, you are doing a lot of big things right now, and I'm looking forward to that movie. Can you tell me the name of the movie, um, the, the Prison Guard one that you said is coming up that the fight fans might like? I, I think they're really going to like the system with Tyrese and Terrence Howard. Um, yes, indeed. I've also got uh, American Night and The Walk coming out. So, you know, I have a few movies coming out. And um, as you said, who knows? Entourage reboots. Oh. Anything's, po anything's yeah. possible. Wow. Okay. Now you're bringing it up again, which makes me even think uh, more so that it is coming back. Thank you so much for doing this, Jeremy. Means Thank a lot. you, buddy. It's amazing. Continued success. Talk to you soon. And congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you so All much. Right. Shalom. Right. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom, brother. <laughs> Take there care, man. Is. Jeremy Piven. How great is that? How you living, Jay Piven? That's the name of the podcast. Does a great job. Does a really great job uh, with that podcast. He had uh, Tyron Woodley on recently. And uh, Jorge Masvidal as well. A lot of big names. And so I really appreciate him doing that. Um, and he's doing a lot of, uh, of uh, stand-up. And, and, and that's really the, uh, the beauty of social media. We can focus on the social media. 
we can focus on, um, you know, the negatives. There are a ton of negatives. It can, you know, I was talking to Moro about this. <laughs> Moro, Moro used to be on Twitter. He calls me the titan of Twitter. And uh, now he got rid of it. It wasn't good for his mental health. And I, I love Moro and I support anything that he does. Um, I consider him a brother, a mentor, whatever you want to say. Um, it has negative effects, but it also has positive effects because you meet people like Jeremy Piven, who you watched as a kid on Entourage or The Ellen Show or Seinfeld. Crazy! I could have talked to him for another 45 minutes. Um, some news here from uh, Alexander K. Lee, Amanda Nunes, Juliana Pena are going to fight on December 11th. That's UFC 269. Of course, the fight was supposed to happen August 7th, UFC 265. Uh, Nunes withdrew after testing positive for COVID, so the fight has been rebooked. At 4 o'clock, by the way, uh, late edition, Tyron Woodley is going to join us after the uh, big boxing match last night in Cleveland. But for now, let us go back to the Zoom machine and say hello to the guest that Jeremy Piven just referenced because he just spoke to the man who will be fighting our guest on September 11th. That's Oscar De La Hoya. We're talking to his opponent, Vitor Belfort. Yes, the next iteration of the MMA boxing journey that we are all taking, MMA versus boxing, will be Oscar De La Hoya versus that man, September 11th in Los Angeles, the phenom, Vitor Belfort. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, Gary. It's so good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, my friend. It is uh, it is great to see you. It's been a while since we last spoke, and I appreciate you taking some time. And we are rapidly approaching this uh, fantasy fight. Like, Who would have ever thought Vitor Belfort versus Oscar De La Hoya? Could you tell us, Vitor, the genesis of this? How did this come about for you? So as you guys know, i I always been uh, very vocal on, on, on merging legends and especially putting this two sport together is the best combat sport. And we're not merging the way I would like to do one day where we'll be able to kind of grab the neck and grabbing the wrist, you know, really do a combat fighting with your hands, you know, no kicking, no elbow. But I think that's the beginning of something, you know, I'll be able to, to show my skill as a, as, as, a, as a striker as I still hold the most knockout in UFC history until today. And so it's pretty fun to be able to step up with a legend like Oscar, the guy who literally, he was the Moses and open the water, dividing the water on his sport. I did on my sport. So we're colliding and, and I think it's phenomenal. I'm excited. Um, and so when the, the idea of fighting Oscar was brought to your attention, uh, did you think it was real? Did you think like, oh, wow, like that, it wasn't really on the radar right now? What was your reaction? I think it's real. You know, we see a lot of MMA guys going there, but they are all wrestlers. You know, they're not boxers. You know, so I think now is this is going to be the 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 third merge. You know, the first one was Connor, and then and then Innocent Silva, and now it's myself. So we, of course, we all strikers. So I think now I'll be able to show my skills as as a striker as well. And I call boxing martial arts. We'll be able to transform boxing into martial arts to adapt into our into our world. That's a mix of things. It's um, so it's been a great journey. I love boxing, and that's been my bread and butter for for MMA in my career. And I'm excited to test myself with the best boxer of all time. 
well, there were a couple of names that you you missed. Ben Askren did go over and he lost, and Tyron Woodley just lost last but night. They, so, but they all they all wrestlers. They're not strikers, so I consider themselves a wrestlers, not a boxers. Fair enough. I'm just wondering if you know, like last night was the the next iteration. Even though you say wrestler was an MMA fighter, former UFC champion, you watch that he loses to Jake Paul. Do you say like, okay, now? It's up to me to represent for MMA. I'm the next one up. I have to beat boxing because no, I'm an MMA guy. That's that's not how I see it. You know, everyone has your so you create your own legacy, you create your own mm -hmm. journey. I call it the why you fighting and and, uh, and the why you competing. Me and Oscar is a legendary fight. You know, the fight yesterday is is, is like I'm sorry, but I I, I kind of respect the YouTuber. You know, he's a Disney Channel. You know type of thing and, and I mean the other guy doesn't have hands he doesn't know how to box and I told you I, I, I thought that that he was going to have trouble beating the kid because he's literally becoming a, a fighter but you know his his level is very low comparing to guy like myself and Oscar we are in the next level so it's hard it's like comparing a Bordeaux wine with a, a wine that you can buy in, 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 in Target that that's that that's the comparison. And I'm being honest and, and not disrespecting the guys. I respect both of guys. They did great. They made a lot of money. But in the end of the day, me and Oscar is a legendary fight. Is is a legacy fight. It's it's a generation fight. It's the guys that are literally building a sport. You you you're looking behind, you know, you you see my what I did for MMA and what Oscar did for boxing. This and and this is not an exhibition fight, this is a real fight. And I mean, I take all respect because Oscar's not getting the YouTuber like Floyd got his brother. You know, it's like these guys cannot box, man. I, I, I like I'm, I'm saying because I know I can. I, I you, you know, I, I would do that. You put these two brothers, I'll fight them the same night. I put them out. And I mean, it's just a fact, you know. You're not impressed with Jake Paul. I mean, he went eight rounds with Tyron. He got rocked. You don't feel like he has at least a skill set for a guy who's 4 0 now? He, he has a skill five, five, to fight a guy like a wrestler, not a boxer. He cannot survive. He, you know, he cannot survive against a real a real striker. And I mean, he, he's he's getting better. He I, I respect him from what he has been doing, but you know, it's like it's a it's a he, he's a product made by business. It's almost like a, he's been made and protected. You know, he didn't want to fight me. He's scared, you know, and I mean, I understand, and but I respect Oscar. Oscar is man enough not fighting a YouTuber. Oscar is literally fighting a, a, a real fighter like myself. So my respect comes not if you're a winner, if you're a loser, and who you are competing against. It's like putting a, 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 a great football team to play with a high school team. You know, it's, it's not fair. It's a level of competition. And I mean, you got to understand what's the difference between a steak from a great steak from a, a steak that is, is not well produced, you know? So you, you understand what I'm saying. So you got a, a guy like myself, I represent, I represent the birth, the creation of a sport. So for me, it's a very serious business. So it's just, it's just I understand that has a level of like this not for level one, level two, level three, level four, they're on a very low level. These guys you mentioned. So that's Did you that's try to get the happened. Jake Paul fight? Did you try? Was there talks of it? Yeah, he didn't want to do it. They already said he's they scared. His whole camp told me his friends, oh, he's scared of you. And he's picking his fight. And, and, and he's doing a great business. He's making a lot of money. He's doing, he's getting all the press. But I mean, me and Oscar 
it's something that is going to change the scope. This is going to be, this is a legit fight. You know, like I'm, I'm very honored to go and compete with the guy who transcends boxing. Not just as a fighter, become the first promoter. Become the first fighter, become a promoter. And discover guys like uh, Canelo Alves, you know. And he, so he changed the scope. And he's a gold medals in the Olympics. So he did things that not a lot of guys did. So I'm very honored to f- compete against him. Obviously, we don't want to look past Oscar, but I, I'm just wondering if all goes well for you on September 11th and you say that Jake Paul, who's, you know, regardless of what you may think, a big draw, he just sold, you know, 16,000 tickets. Uh, would you like to, would you think maybe you beat Oscar, then you go for Jake Paul next? Would the, you know, you're the same size as him, uh, essentially. So. I'll fight him and his brother the same night. <laughs> him and his brother. Who do you think's better between him and his brother? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think both guys, you know, they they, they got guts, man. You know, um, they, they got my respect. You know, they are literally stepping up, and I mean, I, I have they have a respect in the sense of a respect, but you know, their their level, it's not my level. So, but I think you know, I'm looking to fight. You know, we have Hollyfield in Thriller. You know, I'm looking to fight legendary fighters. You know, legends. You know, literally bringing cross generations and, and bringing you know this both sport in a merge. My dream is to be able to literally put the boxing of martial arts, something that we can kind of mix and, and having a little edge for us MMA fighters, how we box. We box in a different level. You know, we have different way of grabbing, you know, of, of doing clinch. And so we, we, can, we can put a little spicy on this boxing, become less boring and much more fun. Could I ask um, if you could provide this insight? What do you think Tyron could have done differently to win the fight? I'm, I'm assuming you watched it. Did you watch just, it? No, I didn't watch it. You didn't watch I didn't, it? No, I didn't watch it. Why? Why not, Vitor? Because I got my sleep, man, my sleep booty. I'm, I'm, in full, I'm locked in, bro. You don't All understand. Right. I only have one mission right now. You know, I watch football of the V, my son. You know, yes. we watch a lot of films. We study a lot of Oscar and... I, I got a lot of things in my house. You know, I have business. I have things. So I don't, I, I don't, my time, it's very valuable. So I'm very, very honest with, with people right now. I don't, I don't spend time with people that I don't think is, 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 is going to bring them a good reward, not just for me, for them. And so I, I'm very, very, as, as I get older, I'm using my time wisely in the, in the people that are related. And right now I'm, I got to be, like my wife said, I'm the lion. So I'm very selfish in the sense of my t- well, what I do with my time. Fair enough. I totally understand that. Um, could I ask what happened with one? I remember you were on my show. You, you, you announced yep. it and you never fought they, for them. What happened? They could not put up a fight. So I what does that answer mean? To them. What do you mean they, they couldn't could put not, up a fight? They couldn't find you one they, opponent? Yeah, they could not find. So you ask Lloyd. My agent, Lloyd, he was negotiating with them. But I think it uh, was a journey, you know. I, I, I tried to I tried to, to fight there, and we could not find a fight or something. And I think what, what, what I'm looking for, like I'm looking for the, the, the right fight. And I think it's, it's not just a fight. I'm not looking just to get a paycheck. So I'm looking for legacy fights. And I think now it's with Thriller, I'm very happy and I see a bright future, not just for what I'm about to do, but what they're going to listen 
what I'm bringing, the vision, understanding the scope of, of Combat Explorer, what we can do with it, how much content, and, and just the way they present. I think, you know, Triller literally making a, a, a change. And they are the one that started. And they are the one who has the identity to, to carry this next season of putting this two sport together, boxing and martial arts. And I'm very excited to be part of it. And I'm, I'm looking forward for the fights, the dream fights is about to happen. And not just that, but just the way they're going to be presented. Uh, do you have, I don't know, mixed feelings, hard feelings towards one? I mean, you made... Zero. Zero. Zero feelings. Like, it was and, like and your I mean, career got put on pause with all this stuff, yeah, right? But I mean, no, it was like two years. I think, I think it's all of us, we have to reinvent in ourselves. I think when COVID hit, a lot of things happened. And that, that, that sort of a, a was, I'm not guilty in that, but I mean, I can only speak for myself. For me, everything's an experience. Every time I see a problem, yeah, but I know, see a solution. I think my wife I think taught me that. All of us, we Every time we see ourselves, I think when COVID hit, a lot of things happened. And that, that, that's sort of a, a was, I'm not guilty in that. But I mean, I can only yeah. speak for myself. For me, everything's an experience. Every time I see a problem, I see a solution. My wife taught me that. Every time we see a problem, we see a solution. Look, we are doing an interview via Zoom. Who thought we could have, you know, I have to fly all the way to New York. Remember to go and have an interview by you. And now, so the world changing and, and you just have to adapt. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's everyone is doing what they think is the best. And I can only speak for myself. And I'm very happy with where I'm at right now and, and locked in on that fight. And every time I look back, it, it's already done. It's already solved. It's already digested. So I, I don't have grudge. I don't have nothing. It's like I'm a very peaceful with myself. And I try to move forward without uh, hurting anyone, without damaging anyone. I call it vision, purpose. If you're not allowing in the same vision with the same purpose, you know, it's time to move on. That's how the world is. The relationships are like that. But, you know, I have great relationship with Chatri with one i'm very thankful mm -hmm. for for everything that they, they, we did together and and we couldn't change so a lot of things i changed there and not just as a fighter but as an advisor they listened some some they, they didn't listen so it's good you know so they used to call a cage and say the guy you guys gotta call a circle this is not a cage this is a circle and so it, it's pretty cool to be participating in something that you know and like i said i'm i'm cheering for our sport to grow and whoever is involved, they're going to have my support some, somehow, you know. But, of course, I cannot work as a professional in every place. But, I mean, I support everyone that is literally helping the sport of combat sport advance. So you have these, you know, super fights that you would like to do, these legend fights. Is it possible that you have fought your last MMA fight and the rest of your career will be these big boxing matches against fellow legends? Who knows? Or maybe a crossover, you know, where we'd be able to cross over the sports in, in a rule that would be a good for us MMA fighters. I think we have the disadvantage, you know, the disadvantage is in us. Yeah. And I like, so if we involve kicking and wrestling, it's not even fair. It's not even compare. Right. They cannot even survive, not even a, a one round. So, right. okay. So let's put it back now. I want to, I want the boxers to understand that the big fights, the big money is where we cross over where we'll be able to generating our clinch. Not now we're going to take you down, but we're going to be able to grab you. That is not separation. 
you know, we can, we can pummel and, and I can hit you from there. You're going to have to get away from me. You're going to have to try to find a space. I'm going to be at your face. So it's, it's, it's changed the scope of the fighting. We're hitting over a fist. I think that's the future. That's where I want to see it. I want to see, and the fans, they want to see that. Who has the best way of knocking somebody out or win a fight with, call, I call it the willpower. And I think we, in the MMA side, we develop a lot of willpower because we're not boring. You know, we're not going to be in defense, you know, like this. You know, we're going to go offense, offense, offense. So I think people want to see that kind of fights. And, and I don't like to see people kind of, you know, walking around. And, and, and that's the sport. But we got to create something different. We got to create something engagement, something that if people are looking for something, new content. Every day is new content. So could not... We guys cannot see that the boxing and MMA, it's, it's the future when we kind of combine these two together and becomes one. So, and, and that's the future. That's what I'm going to, I want to go. Um, a bit of a layoff, not quite like Oscar's layoff for you. I mean, your last fight was three years ago, a little over three years ago. He hasn't fought in over a decade at this point. When you're preparing for Oscar, are you even looking at his last fights or do you feel like you're going to see, I mean, you know, he is older but he's still the same guy, but you know, you, you would think a little bit slower and whatnot because of his age. Do you even look at that Oscar or do you prepare for a totally different guy? I'm preparing for the best Oscar, the best Oscar. And I mean, so I've been watching his fight, the way he fight, you know, I think it's, um, it's that, that's the entry, the, 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 just the, the good thing about life, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we're preparing ourselves today as much as we can for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I'm preparing for the Bass Oscar, a guy with speed, you know, a guy who's going to be utilizing a lot of his lead hand. As you know, a lot of people don't know, but Oscar is a lefty, but he fries righty. So he has a very vicious jab and vicious hooks. And he's a boxer, man. He's a legendary boxer. So, like, you know, when you talk, when, when you're a champion, you're always a champion. So... You know, and uh, I'm, I'm fighting the best Oscar I could ever, you know, imagine. So I'm going out there just to to do be the best version of myself. Uh, do you suspect that you'll have a, a major size advantage? I mean, he has not typically fought at this weight, 195. You're a big guy who has fought. You no, know, it's 185. 185, it's 185. Excuse me, 185. But still, yeah. even 185. Um I mean, that's bigger than usual for him, right? I mean, he used to fight 154, right? I mean, he was a smaller guy. Yeah, but, you know, but now he's a big, you, you can see so much muscles on him now. He's a yeah. big, he's a, he's a big Oscar now. He's not a small Oscar, so. But you, you have know, a bigger a frame. Fun, Don't you think you have, I mean, do you think that will be an advantage to you? Or maybe even, a, is it better to not be so, you know, I take better... it, man. Any, anything for me, it's anything for me I, I see as an advantage. Like I said, I see as a problem, as a solution. You know, and remember, I'm coming to his world. He's not coming to my world. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, and, and he, he's the expert in boxing. Uh, I'm the student in boxing. So I'm still learning and growing and become better. So I'm, I'm looking to go out there and just just perform, man. I'm, I know with freedom, you know, letting my hands go and, and boxing the best boxer of all time. So I'm, I'm very, very excited. The date changed and, and the Lopez fight date has changed. Any concerns at all? That this event doesn't happen, Vitor. No, you know, like I said, I, I I'm focusing what I can control. Right. You know, I know we 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 put the gases, you know, the question mark everywhere. You know, how is tomorrow is gonna hold? I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen in a few days from now, a few hours from now. 
But like I said, I'm focusing on what I can control. Like, you know, everywhere I go, I try to use masks. I try to do this. I try to protect myself. I try to eat too healthy. You know, I'm trying to stay as much positive as possible. That's how we should live. Hmm. And we should live like tomorrow doesn't exist. Today is all we have. And so today I'm here with you, you know, do this interview. And I'm looking forward for my next session of training. Yeah, I'm looking forward for tomorrow. I'm looking forward for that V has a, a nice game this Friday. So I'm looking forward to see football every Friday. It's amazing it just to be able to participate with volleyball with my daughter, gymnastic with my other daughter. So it's phenomenal, you know, be able to enjoy my wife, you know, the time that the short period of time we have together, put the phones away and trying to devote myself to my family and, and become better, you know my eating process, you know, my skin, I feel younger, I feel better. You know, it's, it's, everything is an experience for me. And, and it's a learning, you know, learning progress of, man, I did, I, I thought I, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm, it's hard to believe, but I feel better than I was in 2013, really? 2012, I feel much fat. I, I'm still fast, you know, endurance all the way to the top. So I'm glad all of my friends, my teammates, people that helped me, and people, like you said, you know, you guys don't know Dave, for example, a great friend of mine from Arizona. You guys don't know who Dave, but he's, he's a great friend. He, he helps me a lot, you know. We get Henry Cejudo, another guy who's, he, he's he's good friend. You know, people that literally are there for you. You know, I got, you know, so many good guys, you know, around me. My coaches, my boxing coach, Derek, you know, you got Lloyd, my agent. You have my wife, Joanna, my kids, you know, fans and Including yourself, Ariel, it's so good to see the change and see you adapting yourself, you inventing yourself. You that is no that is no end for you. It's a new beginning. You know, you merge into places. You and, and even to be able to to see and appreciate what the brothers Jake Paul and what they're doing, man. They are changing the scope. And these guys are just Disney guys, and they become fighters, and they get respect from the fighters. I do respect the guys, but I don't think they're in my level. You know, like I said, like has a, but you, you have to earn respect and they earning respect. And I think that's the school to see people's success, make money, you know, you know, showing these young kids, you can transform your life. You can become something you, you, you are this, but now you're that. So I like to see people, you know, achieving greatness and I applaud success of these people because they're hard workers, man. Beautifully said. Uh, by the way, shout out to your son. A lot of people may not know this. Uh, your son, Davi, is it Davi? Do I pronounce it Davi? Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the top rated high school quarterbacks, if not the top rated in. in uh, He's number in, one. Number one in the nation. His class. This is crazy. H how old is he now? He's just turned 16. So he's what, a junior? or? No, he's just uh, first years of high school. Okay. Uh, how did this happen, Vitor? I mean, you're, you're, I'm assuming when you were growing up, you weren't a big uh, American football fan, right? Maybe soccer, you know, um, <laughs> football with the F-U-T-B-O-L. How did this happen where your son became such a great quarterback? It's, it's, it's just, just to see. I, I, since they're young, I, I expose them to training camps. You know, they're training, fighting, you know, they're doing all this stuff. So whatever sport they want, I bought baseball bats. I bought this. I, I, I always put them in sport. My dad and my mom taught me that lesson. Sport is great, especially in America. 
it's all you know they they, they have hand to hand you know education and sport so uh, I literally remember like it was yesterday that he asked me, I want to play football. And he started as one position and all of a sudden I want to become a quarterback. And I'm always like, I always told my kids, I'm going to feed you as much as you want. But I want to, as soon as you start something, you finish something. And then he starts something, he finished and I say, I don't want it anymore. Okay. Next to the next one. So I always say, they're going to choose what they want to become. I don't want them to live my dream. You know, I, I live my dream, you know, so I want, I want to feed the dream of my kids. And now I think my three kids are in the places that they love. You know, my, my youngest daughter, gymnast, a great gymnast. Uh, my other daughter is one of the best outside heaters of her class in, in the whole America. And my son is the number one uh, quarterback in the nation. And, and I was feeding them. And, and by the way, my, my gymnast, she's the number one gymnast in the East Coast. Wow. She won last time on her class. So it's just good to see them. They're striving. They eat healthy. They're in a diet. They're in a plan. They, 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 they think like a champion. They act like a champion. And I mean, like I told them all the time, what you're doing is, is working towards your dream or not. So see the success of the V and see how he's applying his career and learning and progressing and become great coaches around him and honor those people, their time. And it's just amazing to see how he bright young man and great leader in this house as well. So I'm very proud of my kids to see them. They become the best version of, of themselves and, and whatever endeavor they, they choose to be. So beautiful thing. There's nothing better than uh, seeing your kids happy and uh, it's clear that you are supporting them, and it's uh, it's great when you share the videos of your of your kids. And your son has an unbelievable arm. I hope my Buffalo Bills uh, will draft him one day, and and he'll be able to help us win a Super Bowl. Uh, Vitor, thank you so much for the time. Good luck to you on September 11th, Vitor, the Phenom Belfort against the Golden Boy Oscar De La Hoya. Who would have ever thought that we would see this? But we get to see it on September 11th, Triller Fight Club on pay per view. Also on that card. Anderson Silva against Tito Ortiz in a boxing match as well. I mean, unbelievable. You and Anderson on the same card. Who would have ever thought? Uh, I really appreciate the time, Vitor, and good luck to you on September 11th. Yes. I appreciate it. Thank you, Vitor. Good luck to you. There he is, the legend, the phenom, Vitor Belfort. Isn't that wild, by the way? I mean, you've got Anderson Silva and Tito Ortiz on the same card um, as Vitor Belfort and Oscar De La Hoya. How about that? Thank you very much to him, Vitor Belfort. September 11th, Triller Fight Club. Uh, that is going down at the Staples Center in Los Angeles. So, we were supposed to end the show with Vitor Belfort, if you were following, but late edition, making things happen, tweeting things, texting things, slacking things. That's why you got to tune in live, because things happen on this program. I do believe in a matter of minutes, we are going to be joined by the man who was in action last night in Cleveland, the Rocket Mortgage 
Fieldhouse, home of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Tyron Woodley, the chosen one who made his pro boxing debut on Showtime pay-per-view. Also, shout out to BT Sport Box Office, my friends overseas, uh, in a fight that everyone was talking about. And by the way, uh, while I'm, I'm waiting for Tyron to, uh, to show up, what I mean, like, I got to do the face-to-face. I didn't even get into all that that I got to do. The face-to-face with not only um, Tyron and Jake, but also Anthony Pretty Boy Taylor, who did a great job of selling the fight. Unfortunately, it didn't really pan out as most expected. And Tommy Fury um, hosting the weigh-in situation there alongside the legend, Jimmy Lennon Jr., uh, the sit-downs with BT. I mean, to go from doing this show twice last week... Well, first it was SummerSlam. Well, uh, let's even go back. First it was this show relaunching. Those two shows. Then it was SummerSlam. Then it was uh, uh, doing the shows again. Then it was Cleveland and the sit-downs for BT and doing all that stuff. And then the fa- like it was it was just unbelievable. And and honestly, the best part about it was I got to see old friends, familiar faces that. Um, I had not seen in quite some time. Like I said, it's been a while since uh, I've been to an event. And so I got to see a lot of old friends, a lot of familiar faces. I got to talk to a lot of people. Uh, Here I am about to forget. Mark Ramundi, there it is. Look at me, right in the mix. How about that? A shout out to Amanda Westcott of uh, Showtime Sports for these incredible photos. There I am, just chilling in the ring. Like, that's me doing the post-fight interview with my hand in my pocket. I mean, what's going on here? Crazy. Oh, yeah, hey, let's go in the ring and do some interviews. You've just been watching this your whole life. Larry Merchant. Jim Gray. Max Kellerman. Who else? ton of other people. Anyway, I got to see some old friends like Mark Ramundi, Mike Bond, the great Oscar Willis of the Mac Life, who's one of the uh, the rising stars. I don't even want to say he's a rising star. He is a star in the world of MMA journalism. He was very upset when I was uh, mentioning all the names of the great journalists in the sport that I didn't mention him. So I want to give a special shout out to uh, the Mac Life's Oscar Willis, uh, Andreas Hale, Luke Thomas. Uh, I had some nice conversations with them. Uh, Brian Campbell as well. Um, and now I'm, I'm going to forget other people. I, I, I don't like to do this. I don't like to say names. But alas, it was a great weekend. It was a great week from beginning to end, and it culminated with a very memorable event, an event that I think that we will be talking about for quite some time, and a very entertaining main event. And one half of that main event Uh, is our next guest, our final guest of the day. We leave the final word for the man who headlined that show. Unfortunately, it didn't go his way, but we know what he wants. And so let's give him the floor and the opportunity to elaborate on his feelings a little more. The chosen one, Tyron Woodley, kind enough to join us right now via the magic of Zoom. There he is. I just saw him in the ring 12 hours ago, and now we're back talking. I look the same way as I looked when I walked in the ring. You look amazing. It looks like you got a haircut since then. Did you get another haircut? No, I got a haircut then, but I had the headphones on because I was just trying to block out the BS. I didn't know what the atmosphere was going to be, but from what I hear, Cleveland was kind of turning up for me. Yo, first of all, Cleveland loved you. 
They were booing him. The walkout was crazy. Yeah, the walkout was nuts with the the, the lights, and then the you came up from the ground. Yeah. Did you rehearse? Like, did you know that was happening, or did you just kind of find out about all yeah, that in the moment? Yeah, we rehearsed it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, so I was excited about it. Shout out to my dog OT Genesis. Make sure I go and watch Let's Go Big on YouTube as well. Um, crazy song. It's all about leveling up. You know what I mean? And even though the judges didn't um, decide the the night went my way, I feel like I still leveled up in all ways. I was a you know, pure sport through all the media, all the shenanigans, all the BS, and even the, the stuff that happened with the press conference and the weigh-ins, I still remain focused and I still was on the mission. So I said this, you know, look, people ask me my thoughts on the fight a million times leading up to it, and I was worried about the size and, you know, the last four fights and you hadn't boxed before and all that stuff, and then I changed. After seeing you last week, I completely, you were so calm, you were so collected, you didn't have to cut the weight, the face-off, the face-to-face thing that we did, I mean, that was like a 10-8 round if, if I could score it in favor of you. And you saw the love. I think you saw the love that you got. Like, you freaking represented in that moment. And I think you represented on Sunday despite the fact that you didn't get the W. Can you even – I know it was literally 12 hours ago or so, 14 hours ago. Can you have some perspective yes. now? Like, are you proud of what you accomplished or does the fact that you didn't ultimately get the W, is it not sitting well with you right now? You know, I feel like I did. I feel like I landed the more damaging blows. I feel like he hit me with a couple shots, but you know, one thing that my coach told me that I really didn't understand until now, he said it's something that him and Floyd, when I say my coach, I'm talking about Gerald Tucker. We just call him GT. GT told me that him and Floyd, they'll run at any time. Floyd said, hey, let's run. It may be three in the morning, four in the morning. Um, and he said when he was running, the endurance and the conditioning made their chin stronger. They had more ability to endure. So though I got hit with some shots, you saw me come right back. Most of the time, I, I mean, I don't know what the microphones were at, but most of the time I was talking shit to him the whole time. I'm like, motherfucker, that's all you got? So he hit me with a shot, and it, it boogied him out and kind of freaked him out a little bit. And then I started walking him down. So I was, I was very, very, um, I was very happy about my performance, especially walking him down. He assumed I would back up. He assumed I would play the ropes. I didn't play the ropes at all. Um, he is now the meme with the ropes dangling in there. And one thing that I did go, and I did go and check out the arena. You know my little special I do in MMA. I go there before the fight, and I check everything out. I was allowed to do that same thing. We talked to the commission about the ropes. I'm like, let's fucking step and screw in this mug. Like, the back of my head, the top of my head right here was actually touching the fucking rope. So it's actually a technique for a lot of boxers that when somebody get them on a rope, when they try to go for a swing, they weave back. You know, it was a roper, though. Muhammad Ali did it. A lot of people did it. But literally the second rope is probably where the placement of the first rope should have been on top rope. So I'm like, coach, like, do not put your fucking back against the rope. Because what's going to happen is if you get hit in the body, it's going to hang you on that rope. and It's going to set you up solid for a face punch, right? And the guy's reasoning was like, oh, we don't want people to fall over the ring or fall out of the ring. I said, well, shit. You got a whole mile between the bottom rope and the canvas. You can do a whole WWE tap in. Somebody can swing underneath the bottom and come in. So we talked to him for, for that about a long time. So I just feel like there's a couple of things I could have did differently. And even though my coaches were saying that I was seeing it in myself, um, I'm not going to act like I wasn't, you know, trying to be patient because I remember I had the sente on the ropes and I came in for the kill and there's yeah. one little small shot that came through. So I was trying to be calculated. But I saw him hurt several times. I was walking him down. I was hitting him with hard shots. He hit me with hard shots. I hit him, and I just kept coming forward. And he wasn't – I was the one that was in better shape. 
I was I never was huffing and puffing. He was the entire time. He was breathing hard. And his whole camp said, Tyron's gonna get tired. You're gonna do he's gonna back up and he's gonna do this. No, I walked him down. And he ran for me the whole fight. And then um I don't know how the rules go, and I'm not gonna be petty enough to go and um protest or to contest it or whatever the fuck you say. But when I hit him, according to my understanding of the rules, if the rope is helping you up, we we should be on a standing eight count. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've seen the videos and the memes, but he was underneath that top rope, mm. the stepper screw rope. He was leaning on the number two rope, and his um, wrist was on the number three rope. I think that if those ropes are on there, he's on his back. Maybe his head bounced off the canvas. Maybe when he stands up and the referee gets in his face and start giving him a count, it freaks him out. Maybe I take a deep breath and I, I can see the prey a little bit better and I can maybe get him out of there. We don't know because we didn't get a chance to see that. So I feel like whoever said, I only want two rounds, I'll beat your ass because clearly that's fucking a joke. And I feel like even though even though they didn't deem it a knockdown, I still feel like that round was a 10-8 round. I'm talking about round four. He was just getting hit with every power shot possible. And he was running. He was wobbling. So... That's a great uh, point. I can't go back. Yeah, I, I can't go back. But what he did say in the ring was, he said, he. I thought he was scared from the first part. It's like, kind of like the little kid that get three or four punches off on the playground, and then the teacher come and break it up, and you know the person would have whooped their ass if they had a real fight. And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, nanny, nanny, nanny. They just run away with the wind. So Logan was trying to do that, and that's why I slid over to Logan and said, hey, pipe down, brother. <laughs> And he, he calmed fall that back. ass down, didn't he? Said, fall back. You said hey, fall back. Fall back. Hey, fall back. <laughs> but what did he do? Does he fell back? Yes, he did. He did. These my sons. They both my sons. I'm I'm kind of proud of them a little bit, but um, at the same time, I still got to beat Jake ass, man. I, I was I was I wasn't I didn't I didn't think I didn't win the fight. I thought I I was kind of frustrated because I thought I could have knocked him out. I thought it was two chances where I could have knocked him out. Where I hit him in the body, he grimaced. Um, when I obviously knocked him through the fucking ropes. Um, I was trying to hit him, knock him all the way through, because that would have been fucking hilarious. Yeah. But I threw a punch, and I kind of missed it, running around his back. But he said something at the end. He said, I said, you scared to fight me. Wow, you really just going to – you think you won this fight? He said, well, if you get the tattoo, then I'll run it back. And I said, bet. We sure can. That superseded the original bet, right or wrong. No, it felt like there was now a new bet, yes. It felt like you guys yeah, now – Yeah, so now – now, people of the MMA hour and the people of all the sports watching and people all the television, go and troll this young man like he's been known to do for everybody else. Get on his account. Make him own up to his word. I just posted some stuff. Um, his people aren't too happy about it. But no, he spoke. And he said that. He shook my hand. Right or wrong? You see, Ariel? I was right there, yeah. He shook my hand. And he said, bet. So in my mind, we're not even talking about no fucking fury. We're not talking about nothing else. But one that's that shout out to Showtime. That shout out to you know the MVP people. We got to give them props. That was damn near sold out arena. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the pay per view, I don't know what the pay per view numbers are at, but they're doing some shit right now. So at the end of the day, you gonna tell me Fury gonna do that? You gonna tell me you really like a split decision win, and you literally the only one that almost went through the ropes and you won that fight? And I came out with no scratches, no blemishes, talking in a straight voice. Ate every punch you did, and I walked you down the whole fight. He ran the whole fight every single time. You know what I mean? So, so I have to ask, um, just regarding the the new deal. Did you get the tattoo? Oh, uh, what a tattoo artist! Mama tattoo, where you at? <laughs> tattoo baby. 
They saw back. They saw trying to tattoo babies. They tried to back out of it. Well, I saw you're actually I, in I, the comments on MMA fighting where she's like, "Oh, this I said let's run it." Yeah. And I and I mess and I made a comment with her and I said, "Hey, where you at? Let's get this shit over with." No reply. He's trying to back out of it. He's he's being a coward. Did she go to your? I'm calling you out. You've been a coward. Did she go to your locker room? I went to go take a shower. I messaged her. I don't know where she at. Wow. I'm still here in Cleveland. So you are willing to get this tattoo, but only... I'm willing to be a man to honor my, my end of the deal. He made a new deal. Since he's the one to make the best, not a bet blew up in your face. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm, I'm willing and I will. If I got to get my own tattoo artist, I think I'm sliding to LA. Let's get it cracking. But I need to see some paperwork because him and his manager starting to get real little. He told me in there, he said, Tyron, I give you my word. This is what Nikisa told me. Tyrant, I give you my word. And he's been solid ever since. He's never told me one thing and I've been solid about it. I, I got a lot of love from Nikista. He said, if you get the tattoo tonight, we will give you the rematch. And I said, bet. Let's run it. I don't know where this tattoo lady at. Wow. Yeah, you, you really want to get a tattoo of Jake Paul on your what? I don't give a fuck. I, this is a whole movie. It's a whole part of the story because when I whip his ass, you know what I mean? I'm going to look at that tattoo and I'm going to laugh. Right. And it's probably gonna be a trilogy because he's gonna want to get to try to revenge back, and then we're gonna have a whole fucking Rocky thing. So because DC was tweeting, he said, "Don't do it, Tyrant. Don't do it. Don't get the tattoo." Man, all these MMA people trying to tell me what to do. Yeah. Where the fuck was these MMA people when they was booing me? Yeah, when they would give me the respect and they give me the props, but everybody want to tell me what to do and how to do it, mm. and they all want to follow me now. Now everybody in the boxing gym and fucking shadow boxing and want to get fights. Like, like I appreciate the love and support, but think about it. None of these people was on my side. Yeah. Now I'm supposed to fucking care what you say? No. I got love for DC, but but shit, when it comes down to it, we're talking about a rematch. This makes more sense. For me to get a little fucking tattoo that I can go, I got a story behind it. Yeah. I fucking got robbed by the judges. I fucking knocked this kid through the ropes and said I lost. I got this tattoo and I wouldn't go and starch his ass. And I'm going to leave it. You won't, you won't like do a thing where you get it and then like get it. Hey, shh. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> hey, 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 too good. Okay, sorry. Bye, you bad. can be too good. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. In <laughs> hindsight, do you wish you could have done it? Like, you know, the big thing. I, I was yeah. I was there and I, and I was saying to the guys, to the, to the broadcasters, by the way, Al Bernstein said that he thought that should have been a knockdown in the fourth round for the record. You know, he's he's been around boxing, you know, forever. I was saying I was starting to see I I saw a look in your face and I was like the last time I saw this look was Darren Till in in Dallas. Yeah. Like I saw the confidence back and you were hunting him down. I just wish and I'm just keeping real I just wish you threw a little bit more at him, a little bit more. And I know you were trying yeah. to be measured and not do Vicente Luque, but in hindsight do you wish you threw a little bit more at him because you were landing those punches. Yeah, just a little bit more, not too much more, but it, it was just a little bit more of the intro punches. The intro punches is what takes you into the the combinations. Or head motions to combination to head motion after that. Uh, I just feel like I've always been a shorter opponent, and a jab is a punch that I haven't really landed a million times in MMA. This training camp I did so so good at really fucking. I had to change my jab the entire fucking way I was throwing the entire concept of it, and I landed some stiff jabs in this fight. A couple more of those, and then we trained so many times on when he throws a jab because we knew he was going to try to keep me away, keep me away try to get me to force myself forward like most of these other guys did and try to crack me with that overhand right or right hand. So I, I could have made him pay. When he jabbed a couple of times, I could have made him pay and that would have increased the volume. So 
Um, I landed more power punches. Um, I landed more damage. And a lot of the combinations he threw was hitting gloves or hitting air. But he, if he threw and was missing or hitting my elbows in fucking gloves and I didn't throw at all, what, what can you do? You know what I mean? You got to give the person that's actually throwing those hands. Um, I did think I did enough to win the fight. I thought I did more than enough to win the fight. Um, if, I'm not going to give my whole game plan away because I think in the, the round two, I'm going to make those corrections, but me and my coach talked in great depth today, paragraph format, talk format, voice memo, talked to Floyd last night, a couple other world champions, Riddick Bo hit me up today, wow. um, Primetime, Chris Primetime hit me up, Andre Ward hit me up, Clarissa hit me up, Damn. and um, everybody's, man, they said, man, for somebody that's never boxed before and crossing over to our world, we want to give you props because you fought those fucking eight rounds. We believe Everybody believe I won. They also agree with, like you said, I could have thrown a little bit more, and you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, like, shit, Jake, I, I knew he was going to – I told y'all this. I said, this is going to look like a fight. I never took it lightly. Mm. That's why I was in such great shape. That's why I was – my chin was a fucking – his chin, shit. I got hit with some shit, too. But I got hit with some shit, I came right back, and I was cracking him. So I'm excited for the rematch. Um, Jake, don't be a bitch, dog. Just, just finish the movie like you're supposed to be. This is this is a big scene in the movie. We're halfway through the movie. Finish it out the right way. Don't go and fight no Tyson Fury. Nobody want to see that fight. Nobody even know him if it wasn't for his. Uh, I didn't even call it Tyson yeah, Fury is a. Um, yeah, his brother. Sorry, no Tom, disrespect. Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury. Tommy. Tommy. And Tommy's been respectful to me, and I, I walk back to him and say, "Man, no disrespect. It's business." And then they try to like stir up a little bit of rumble in the back. Yes, yeah, you saw they that. They try to start a little rumble in the back yeah. and get the uh, dissuaded people. Right. The people are like, "No, nah, we want to see that shit again." Now, <laughs> what did Floyd say to you? Can you share? Floyd just said, Floyd just said, you know, um, Floyd don't like when I talk about a lot of technique, the stuff that, okay. that we work on. He really secretive with that. Okay. But it was some things I did really well that he said I should have did more of. Um, he did say just a little bit more output. He did feel like I won the fight. Um, he said, you know, I told you that he was going to be kind of scared of you. You've been there before. And he said, he ain't been hit with no shit yet. We're going to see how he responds. He said, you've been hit with four-ounce gloves, and you can take it. Let's see how he deals with that. So kind of what he said to a T kind of played out, you know. Jake Jake played it off, but he was hurt. He was running. He was clinching. I didn't clinch one time. I don't know that my back was against the rope one time. There's very few times I, I actually let him press me forward. So every single thing he said I was going to do and was going to happen, he did. Um, what about you? You mentioned being there before. What about like the moments before walking out? Like I said all week, you have fought on the biggest of stages, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Were you more nervous though for this one because it was your debut uh, and there was no? I was. I was nervous. I was nervous. I didn't get nervous this time. Um, I didn't get nervous this time. Um, I got nervous. I usually take a nap before I go out to the fight. So during my nap, I just I couldn't sleep. I took a one-hour nap, and I woke up halfway through, and then I had to use the bathroom, and then I was like, fucking, I'm like, damn, do this, do that, whatever. Come over here with this and this and that. Uh -huh. So then I started overly playing through the fight, and I'm like, I'm looking at my clock, and I know I got 90 minutes. But I'm closing my eyes, and I just keep playing the fight. So nerves kind of set in then. Then after that, it was it. Took a deep breath, got into the arena. I was calm. Got my hair wraps. My gear was dope. 
it was way drippier than his, by the way. My shit was fire. It was super fire. Honestly, Shout I have to say both stone. of you were great. I mean, it was both really you yeah. you look crisp. You look really crisp that whole it was, it was a movie. Yeah, the it whole, was a it movie. It was great. You know what I mean? But but think about it, I did my whole training camp in Miami. So I gave Miami some love. Mm-hmm. So I came out with my Miami Vice shit. But um the walkout was crazy. We we, we you know we rehearsed for it. OT Genesis was dope. Shout out to OT Genesis. Um, the the coming out from the bottom and the smoke and walking great. down that's just movie. <laughs> one thing I do regret that I keep saying I'm gonna do, and I'm just so old school. I said this time I'm not gonna wear headphones and I'm just gonna listen to the crowd. I'm breathing in. I'm gonna feel it. I'm gonna enjoy that moment. And then I said, no, nah, fuck that. Stick to my shit. Stay focused. I don't want to see one celebrity I know like come on, man, trying to make eye contact. Yeah, yeah. You don't want that? You don't want that? I don't like that, man. Yeah. I don't like that. Okay. So I just, I, I kept the headphones on. You can, if you look back at the... Um, Are you listening to anything? Game, you'll see my coaches. Yeah, I'm listening. I was listening to a song called Your Ladder by Megan Williams. It's a gospel song, but when I first started fighting, it was the first song I walked out to. It calmed my nerves, and it gave me a chance to think about my life and my kids and where I came from and, you know, all the opportunities I had to quit and, you know, growing up. Um, an environment I did, you know, how blessed I am to even be here. And um, that, that, that always get me pumped up and to keep me in perspective of what I'm doing. So I was listening to that the whole time. Like even the security guard, he was underneath the tunnel, but he kept positioning himself close enough with my cell phone to still hit the Bluetooth of my um, <laughs> headphone. It was kind of hard. So then, um, yeah, so when I got in the ring, my, my Pedro's don't speak a lot of English. So he kept reaching for my hand. I was like, no. He said, headphones. I was like, no. <laughs> headphones. I was like, coach, I'm going to tell you when I'm going to keep my headphones. But he kept trying to take them off my head. But um, I kept them on until they got ready to announce our names. Actually, mate, during the announcement, I might have said them on. Could but I-, I didn't see the moment. I went back and watched it. And um, next time, next time I think I'm going to just go ahead and say fuck it and just embrace it. Feel booze, cheers, yells. Tomatoes or you know what I mean panties, whatever come out, I'm just gonna walk through. Did did the confidence grow throughout the week? Because like I said, from Thursday to Friday, when we sat down to the the weigh in, when he tried to get your hat and didn't like, it felt like you were, you, you were getting a lot of W's there along the way. Did the confidence grow from the beginning of the week till the fight? You know, my confidence just grew with the training, man. You know, um, I knew my sparring partners were better than Jake. And I knew that I sparred so hard and I was so crisp and I ran so much and I did so much stuff with Pedro and I did so much stuff with GT and then just the dieting and the ice bath twice a day and all the stuff that I know I hadn't done before. I was doing during those times. So at the end of the day, I just really and surely believed that I was prepared and I believed that I was ready. And I knew that I could take my experience from mixed martial arts in there uh, of long fights, 25 minute fights. And I just felt good, man. I felt good. I felt confident pressing him. I knew I had the gas to do it. I knew I wasn't going to get tired. Um, my hands could have went a little bit more, but, you know, contrary to my last four performances, we got to be real. It was a, it was an upgrade of volume. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was an upgrade For of power, sure. tenacity, um, durability, and just, you know, intentions on doing damage. Um, okay, so could we clear up something, Tyron, that's been talked about a lot? On Friday when we spoke... You essentially accused him of taking PEDs, and his response was, "We're going to get tested." And then uh, Mike Bond reported that Ohio said you weren't going to get tested. Did you guys, in fact, get tested before the fight? Uh, let me see. I can address this without people getting their love in their feelings. Um, no, we didn't fucking get tested. 
they came in the back, they came in the dressing room, and the guy said, okay, we're here to get your urine. I said, cool. So I can you go right now? Yes. Went back to the back, took the urine sample. Um, and I said, is this a drug test? This is a drug test, correct? And the guy that was taking the sample said he didn't know. I'm just here to collect the urine. I said, so you're here to collect the urine, seal it, and sign your name on it, you don't know what it's for? Is this a drug test? One person told me yes. One person said it may be some kind of urine analysis, which I know a urine analysis to see if I'm functioning properly, which why the fuck would it matter if the results come back on Tuesday and we already fought on Sunday? Right. If it said I wasn't deemed fit to fight, I already fought. So I'm asking the question, is this a drug test? And they sealed the little strip, then they put in a bag that wasn't closed at the top. I said, hold on, time out. That ain't even sealed correctly. What are y'all doing with this? You're not going to seal the top? Like, da 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 It was real kind of weird. Then I saw yesterday, and you just confirmed to me that it is official, and I just, you know, ended that hoopla, that the urine test that we took was not a drug test. Well, no, so right? let me just say on Saturday morning at the weigh-ins, the early morning weigh-ins, uh, the reporter Mike Bond of MMA Junkie, who you know, spoke to Bernie Profado, the head of the Ohio Commission, and Bernie told him that they only drug test for title fights. And so he said that you and Jake would not be drug tested. Now, I didn't speak to him, so I, I just figured I'd ask yeah, you. I didn't know that. Well, we need to figure that out because I was, I was, people didn't know what the urine was for. And so they did like take I your urine, do, though. So there is a chance they tested, yeah, but of course. No, no, let's not get too happy because I did, they did press me on a urine analysis, mm. which is what I had to take for the event to be insured. So I had to do a urine analysis, and that was very adamant on me on getting a urine analysis. I did that already. And it was already deemed that I was fit and ready to go. So why would I have to do that again in the locker room? The only thing I should be doing in the locker room is a drug test. Mm. And you don't know what he did. So we need to do some research. That's your job. I will, do some research to see if the piss I threw in a cup went to, to see if my kidneys are functioning, yeah. to see if I've been popping needles in my ass. And, and, and do you know what he did? Or do you have any idea? No clue. No clue. Um, interesting. Okay, yeah, we will uh, we will look into that. But, I know you can get to the bottom of yes, it if anybody can. But you, but you, you accuse like you, you seem to feel like he is. I just feel like I mean, how do I dance? I'm trying to dance around the subject. I mean, you said it I right to his face. Questions. I asked him some questions, and he didn't seem. If it was a lot of detector tests, uh, I was a you know like a detective, and I was trying to judge somebody was lying. He gave me the little trembles, trembles in his voice that didn't make me feel very confident about his answers. Okay. I caught him off guard with it, too. It was completely out of context, and um, he didn't get a chance to really prepare. And, you know, I didn't feel real confident with his answer. Okay. Uh, two more things. What's the tape on your hand over there? Damn, you fucking what? just looking at everything. <laughs> I mean, I... God damn. <laughs> a man can't have an icy hot... Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In 2021? <laughs> No, Damn, I, can I say just say I thought it was the tattoo. Hey, no, can you find out what the urine with? That's what we need. Okay. <laughs> find out what that was. The locker. Find out is there a, a testing, and let's find out what the results was if it was a test, and if it was not a drug test. Let's find out why we got a urine analysis when we already had that to ensure the fight. Okay. Had we not, that fight would have never went on. Okay. Um, has your respect for him changed going to the fight after the fight? You feel any differently about? No, him? I remember I told you guys I'm training like I'm fighting Mike Tyson. I knew he, I knew, I knew he was young. I knew he was a little, little cuckoo. All the, all the floors wasn't accounted for an elevator, and um, that made me think he can take a punch. And you seen guys in the UFC, the 
fucking Diego Sanchez's and Clay Guidias and Jardines and these motherfuckers can take a punch. And that's that some people that became their their MOs, the Scott Smiths. And I just knew he probably could take a punch. I knew he would be athletic, he in shape, he ain't got no day job. What else are you doing? You know what I mean? He he's a young kid, no kids. And I knew he would be in shape. Like you can always control if you're in condition. Now, skill set, experience, and all the other stuff you can't control. Um, but I, I just felt like the experience that that was shown in the octagon was ring generalship. It was pressure. And he was definitely excessively clinching. And everybody thought I was going to be clinching because of mixed martial arts. It seemed to me like you were having fun. It felt like, uh, you know, the old Tyron regained his love for the fight game out there. It was such an yeah, honor for me. I love his boxing shit. Yeah, it was, man, it was an honor for me to be there. It was surreal. Like everyone's like, Ariel, you're making it about yourself. No, of course I didn't fight. Of course it's not about me. But I got to be honest, like it's a big moment, dude. Yeah. It's just fucking Showtime pay per view. It's boxing. We we dreamed about this shit. It was either Showtime or HBO. Yes, we seen a little trailers come on. We watch it. So you you push yourself in position, do great journalism, and just telling the story the right way. That now people think you're an, an expert in a sense. Where they want you there, and you know both sides. You know how important this fight is. You know how to key us up and fucking get us to talk the answers that you know people want to hear. So you belonged in that seat, and you sit next to some legendary people. So tell everybody to kick rocks. Everybody got something to say. Always remember that right. you deserve to be there. You should be proud. You should be happy. It didn't take away from you delivering and, and giving the people what they need about the fight. Well, and I thank you very much for that. But I just want to say it meant a lot because it was you, uh, because it was your fight. And because it was your moment and because you've always been very good to me and had my back. And so I was honored to be there and, and I hope I represented and I hope for your sake you get that rematch. So uh, a, a final word, conclusion, you know he watches. What do you want to say to Jake Jake, Paul? you watch everything I do and quit sending me goofy ass fucking messages in my DM <laughs> or I will post those bitches on Instagram. And I know he's trying to he's trying to troll me right now because his fans are watching his live so they keep calling me. So if you hear me buzzing out, it's not a glitch. It's oh, come on, guys. It's Jake Paul's trolls calling me. He's sending me goofy ass fucking messages in my DM that I won't. Eat. <laughs> I try to do do not disturb because I knew they were gonna do that. What? Do you, how do you second. live like this? You live like this? They they do it all day every day. <laughs> how do you live like that? I'm stubborn, man. Why don't you change your number? number? Why? I don't want to because <laughs> I'm prideful, man. I had this number since 2000. <laughs> Oh. I had this number for 21 years, so I'm like, fuck that. All right. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start doing stuff on my other phone that they don't have. So, yeah, you know, he's been sending me some goofy-ass messages. It could, He could be, you know, he could have got hit with some shit and just, you know, lost his mind. But I didn't even post it up. I should have posted it up. But <laughs> at the end of the day, he's fucking a goofy-ass kid. He going to get his ass beat. This time I'm knocking you out. All right, uh, Tyron, we will leave you be. Uh, great stuff. The, so many people are quoting the uh, the D's nuts, all those lines that you utter. That's but, funny. <laughs> hey, you know what? So this is what I was thinking. People don't try to steal my shit. Yeah. I'm already, I'm already, people always try to duplicate me. Always try to do what I'm doing. All these fucking vlogs and shit. That's yeah. a knockoff of Champ Camp. One, Champ Camp was a movie. It told the story. Mm-hmm. It showed the gorilla trainer. Make sure you go and watch the last episode of Champ Camp. It is crazy. Also, make sure you go to YouTube and watch Let's Go Big featuring me, OT Genesis. And one day, you'll be able to download that biash on all platforms. But I do have to say that face-to-face video, I don't know how many views it has right now. I think 3 million or something. But I know it's ridiculous. 
It's ridiculous. <laughs> I felt ridiculous sitting there. Um, it was kind of fun. That was that was the only only thing that I can say it was kind of fun because I felt like it was literally like a fucking comedy TV yeah, show. Oh, it was, you guys were great. I, I felt like we was Will Ferrell, <laughs> Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart. It was amazing. <laughs> I was having a blast and I didn't want to say anything. And you were even referencing Billy Madison. I didn't expect that today, Junior. That was amazing. And by the way- I got him. I won that round. Oh, I won that yes. round. That's a 10 I think most people I feel that way. At the beginning of the broadcast, last thing, I said, you know, I, I did this whole thing about you. I don't know if you saw it. And then I said, you know, if I could reference the lyrical genius Drake, Champagne Poppy, Drizzy Drake, the Six God, I said, you know, he said back in the day, someone told me I fell off. Ooh, I needed that. And let's be honest. Over the last few months, yeah. a lot of people have said, Tyron fell off. Tonight we'll find out. If he needed that, I walk to my seat two minutes later, turn on my phone and Drake sends me a DM. Thanks for quoting me, brother. I was like, Whoa, oh, wow. isn't that crazy? Hey, oh, look, hey, look, look, Canadian love. Look, right at look, Canadian love. Look, Canadian look at that. Look, Canadian love. Yeah. I was, so he was watching. Uh, All right. We'll let you go. Tyron, you're the man. Uh, good luck to you. Good luck getting the rematch. Congrats on representing. The legacy is intact. It's all good. Much love. Thank you, as always, for the time. Hey, they call me the <laughs> Damn, Ariel. He watched everything I do. Oh, my God. Who's that? Jay Leon Love? Come on. Probably. All right. All right. Well, you be blessed, my man. You too. See you soon. Much love. Hey, make sure next, make sure next time you tell him to ask these nuts. You know, okay. All right. When they're on the show again. Uh, all right. All right. There he and is, the Tyron Woodley, the one and only. Man, I got to say, I, I've been sold. I've been sold. What a character. Look at Tyron living his best life. When everyone said he was done. Again, that's what I was trying to say. The man never got the love that he deserved. He never got the respect that he deserved. He never got the push that he deserved. And he'll admit it. Butted heads with the brass. And as a result of that, you might not get the love and the push and the respect. But man, how could you not love the, the smile on his face after a fight like that? And he shows up. He shows up. I mean, we don't usually do the night or the show the show the day after, like literally 12 hours later. We don't. There's usually that one day in between. And he showed up. God. I love that guy. I have to say, love that guy. Much respect. Um, and we'll see. But he sold me on it. Am I crazy? Am I living in the moment? Am I a prisoner of the moment here? I don't know. He kind of sold me there for a second. I felt like I tried to keep it 100. I felt like I tried to keep it real. It was an incredible event, an incredible spectacle. By the way, he's right. That entrance, shout out to Showtime, whoever produced that whole thing. Uh, that was incredible. The lights, whoo, that was, that was amazing stuff. All right, we're out of time. I think we're going to go take a nap now. So, Frank, you can hit my music. Reminder, we're back on Wednesday. You know, we go two days. We go two a day. No, two a week. See, now I'm starting to lose it. Uh, by the way... Next Monday will be off because it's Labor Day. It's also Rosh Hashanah, so Happy New Year to my fellow Jews. Um, but yeah, man, that was so much fun. The face-to-face -face was great. Those two guys, like, they've got chemistry. That's the crazy thing. I know they're not the best of friends, but they've got chemistry. The whole thing, 
I mean, even with Logan and the fan, I mean, how could you lighten up? And by the way, you can't do the whole, like, you don't play boxing type of thing. And, and that's a real thing. But not with those guys. I think they, you know, I've seen worse boxing matches. Trust me. Way worse. Now, are we saying they're going to fight Canelo next week? No, obviously not. But there was something for everyone. And that's a fun event. And I was honored to be a part of it. But I'm always honored to be in this chair as well. I'm so glad this all worked out. I was worried about that flight. I was worried about delays and I would miss things. But it all worked out, baby. Hilwani. Independent Hilwani. Living life. Only in America. This is me just completely losing my mind. Thank you very much to all our guests today. Thank you very much to the great Mike Perry, Teddy Atlas, Patty Pimblett, Jeremy Piven, Vitor Belfort, and the late edition, one Tyron Woodley. Thanks to all of you. I love you all. Thanks for the support, the kind words. Back on Wednesday, same time and place. Until then, I say peace. I'm out of here.